look, R2, it's here. The Pop Culture Leftovers Rogue One episode. R2 says the chances of tossing it are 725 to 1. Please enjoy Leftover Army. Episode 168. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the Leftovers. Stop! Am a time. All right, Frank. Gonna need you to speak up a little bit, Frank, because... We're recording this separately. We're not in the same room this week because the ice here, uh, where I live, the roads are so icy I couldn't make it out to Peoria. It was, I tried, I got stuck in a ditch, so we gotta do this over Skype, gentlemen. Yep, yep. They're gonna get their episode though. We're gonna make it happen. All right, Frank, thank you so much for that input there. <laughs> it's always, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and always a pleasure to hear some really comical and fun anecdotes from you. So thank you for contributing to yeah, way, that. Way to uphold it up, Frank. Yeah, yep. way to go. So I, I'm, I'm here to do just that. Yep. So thank you so much. Hey guys, welcome to our Rogue One episode. I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. I am one. Yeah, it's fucking Rogue One time. This is exciting. Yeah, it is. So Listen to the excitement coming on Frank's end over there. Listen to this guy. (laughs) Jesus. New Star Wars movie every year. Here we go. It's round two. Yeah, have you been hearing the rumor, Jake, that uh, – yeah, we're going to jump into Rogue One here in a moment. But have you heard the rumor that we might not be getting um, the Han Solo movie in May like we thought we were going to be getting? They might push it to yeah. December now. I-, I was just reading stuff about that today That because yeah. I was holding out that we were finally going to get a May Star Wars movie. And I was like, no. Yeah. Um, you realize uh, – Frank, you realize I didn't ask you that question because I knew it would probably take you anywhere from one to two minutes to respond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I caught that. Yeah. yeah. Frank, you are just – you are like the opposite of Johnny on the spot this episode. <laughs> what is what is the opposite of Johnny on the spot? Is it like <laughs> – Bobby on the road or something. Bobby 20 minutes late. <laughs> oh, oh, man. So, yeah, um, this is the Rogue One episode. Guys, uh, how did you see Rogue One? Uh, Jake, and how many times have you seen it? I um, I saw it at the Carmike in uh, IMAX 3D. I saw the first showing at 7 o'clock. 
And uh, I only got to see it once due to just work and stuff going on with me right now. Yeah. I saw it in IMAX uh, at 10.30 on Thursday, and then I saw it again in IMAX at 11.30 on Friday, so I've seen it twice. Okay. Yeah, I uh, went and saw it in IMAX um, the first night at 7 o'clock, and then the next day I saw it again in 2D uh, at about 1.45. Now, I was a little upset that I did not get to see that new Christopher Nolan Dunkirk trailer. It was only in select IMAX theaters, and it was not in mine. Yeah, I got to see a trailer for Dunkirk, but I didn't I didn't get to see like what I thought where it was going to be like the opening 8 or 9 minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So we just saw the regular trailer. Yeah, that's yeah. I wonder that's what, what I got twice as well. Yeah, I wonder what theater was showing uh because I went to a uh I think it it wasn't a Regal Cinema, I think it was at Warenberg, and I know you guys went to Carmike, but I wonder mm-hmm. what like I, it must have been a select cinema that got that 7 minute Dunkirk trailer. It, Really, just the first opening seven minutes. So I was a little upset with that. I was really hoping to see that. Yeah, I was with you. I was really looking forward to that too. And then it was kind of like I was even waiting for it to be after the trailer. I got. And it was just like, oh no. I got better trailers in the two D screening of Rogue One than I did in the actual IMAX three D. I got like the old Guardians of the Galaxy teaser, but in the new in the two D screening, I got the new trailer with the baby Groot and don't push the button and all that stuff. I got the Spider. See, we, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say we had the Spider Man and the Guardians two new trailer back to back in the three D. Really? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I did not get that. I went to I went to a different IMAX than I typically go to. I usually go to an AMC, and this was Warenberg. And uh, it was okay. It was all right. It was an okay experience, but I would rather have been at the AMC. I would have probably got the better trailers. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, – you know what? Uh, can, I, can I talk a little bit more trailer talk for yeah. a second? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, it was really crazy seeing the Spider-Man and the Guardians trailer back-to-back, and it, it um, really made me stand by my kind of meh on the Spider-Man trailer the other week. Like, the crowd just kind of seemed like, okay, this is on. And then when the Guardians was playing, it, the place, like – exploded like all the big laughs like hit and it, i mean it was two different experiences those trailers back to back yeah listen to you listen to you trying to feel all justified listen to this guy <laughs> yeah. i wish yeah. i could have recorded it i was like ah oh, man i wish i could have recorded this this was crazy well i i mean the second i i i can't i can't say anything to that because they didn't play that trailer in my imax experience but a lot of people it was funny though they played the uh, transformers the last night and i still like oh, that yeah I still like the Spider-Man trailer. Still enjoyed it quite a bit and can't wait for the movie. Um, but they played the Transformers the last night movie and I get to listen to like these little side conversations. And there was this people behind me and this one guy was like, you know, I'm, I'm just not too sure about this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one? I, exactly. I was like, whoa, whoa. They finally lost them. Yeah, I know. It's like the, I was on board for the first four. But you know what? I, I'm not sure about this whole night mythology. They, you know, <laughs> yeah. Optimus killing Mark Wahlberg. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Oversexualized minor daughter. I'm in. But this, I don't know. I think and he that's... was. I think he was trying to kill Bumblebee in that trailer. That's what it looked like. And Mark Wahlberg was like, "No, don't do it." <laughs> Look at the fans. I thought he like pulled his knife right out on Mark Wahlberg. 
No, he he was going after Bumblebee, and yeah, we're gonna get the Rogue One. He was going after Bumblebee. <laughs> he was going after Bumblebee, and that's when uh, uh, he says, "No, no, no, don't don't do it." And then it looks like he's going for Mark Wahlberg, but it, it was because Mark Wahlberg jumped in the way of uh, Rogue Optimus Prime, which we're gonna be talking about Rogue One. Uh, thank you, thank you. What a yeah, segue! Trailer, I stand by our Tupperware seeing that again. It looked amazing in IMAX. I gotta tell you. Oh yeah, the movie's gonna be god awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Okay, so here we go. We are gonna be jumping into uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, the synopsis: The Rebel Alliance makes a risky move to steal the plans for the Death Star, setting up the epic saga to follow. It's directed by Gareth Edwards. Uh, we remember him from Godzilla, and then he did that short film Monster. It's written by Chris Weitz. Uh, Tony Gilroy, he did the rewrites. He's the, uh, guy that does the Bourne series as well as a consulting producer on Netflix's House of Cards. And he was a producer on Jake Gyllenhaal's film Nightcrawler, which I love. Uh, John Knoll and Gary Witta also provided to the story. Uh, cinematographer for this one was, uh, Greg Frazier, uh, from Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Foxcatcher, Killing Them Softly, that movie with Brad Pitt. Uh, this Rogue One movie, Stars, uh, let's see here. Felicity Jones is Jen Erso. Uh, Diego Luna is Cassian Andor. Uh, he's a Rebel Alliance intelligence officer. And every time he talked, dude, the only thing I could think of is, my name is Cassian Andor. You kill my father. <laughs> Prepare to die. That's all I could think, dude. He sounded just like dude from Princess Bride. Like, if they ever needed, if they ever reboot that, which God forbid they ever did, but he could be Inigo Montoya. Yeah, yeah. I kept thinking well, well, from Game of Thrones, who was uh, the Viper. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, we will definitely be talking about Cassian Andor. I just thought that uh, Inigo Montoya was a little bit more quotable, Frank. That's true. I yeah. can't even remember the guys that, like... The actor's name or the actual party played. I just remember the Viper. All right. More fantastic contributions from Frank Hammer. <laughs> I'm a wealth of fucking uh, knowledge. We also got uh, Ben Mendelsohn as Orson Krennic, the director of Advanced Weapons Research for the Imperial Military. Uh, Donnie Yen as Chirrut Imwi, a blind warrior who believes in the Force. Mads Mikkelsen as Galen Erso, Jen's father and research scientist from whom the Rebels intercepted a transmission about the testing of the Death Star. Alan Tudyk is K2SO, a rebel-owned Imperial Enforcer droid whose memory is wiped by An uh, Cassian Andor. Riz Ahmed as Bodhi Rook, uh, a former Imperial pilot who defects to the rebels. Um, guys, if you have DirecTV on the audience channel right now, they have an interview. It's like an hour interview with Riz Ahmed. Uh, it's on a show called Off Camera with Sam Jones. And, uh, oh, that's cool. Much Star Wars talk there? Not a lot of Star Wars talk, but it was just kind of cool to hear him. He did talk about Star Wars a little bit. Um, he talked about how it felt like they were actually filming like an independent film with this. He talks a little bit about Gareth Edwards. I also found out like he's a, um, he's a musician. Like he has his own music and everything. Wow. So. Oh, what's he, what's he play? I, he, I have no clue. I did not even get into looking him up on YouTube. But the guy, Sam Jones, was just talking about his music career, so I don't know. One of those things, I'll have to look it up on YouTube and check it out. We had uh, Jang Wen as Baze Malbus, a rebel warrior and mercenary. Uh, Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera, a veteran of the Clone Wars. The character previously appeared in the animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars and was mentioned in the Star Wars Rebels episode The Honorable Ones and also in the novel Star Wars Bloodline. 
Additionally, uh, Jonathan Aris plays Senator. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to get into all these. These are these are <laughs> these are people that are in the film, but they're kind of like surprise. I mean, these are like some of them are Easter eggs, some of them are cameos, and we're going to talk about that as we open up, you know, the episode. But I did want to talk about um, yeah, spoilers. Bistan, the alien creature and member of the Rebel Alliance. Um, actually, he's one of. Um, no, 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 no. That's not who I wanted to talk about. Yeah, Bistan. He was. That's that's somebody I wanted to talk about. Uh, Weetief Sayubi. He's the little guy. He was. Oh, um, I loved him. That was Warwick Davis. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's one of um, uh, Saw Gerrera's uh, partisans. You know, one of his. One of one of his guys. So I, I I loved that character. I thought he was so badass, dude. I loved his little fucking pistol. Oh yeah, that character was fantastic. I loved the some of the sound work they used for like his little the noises he was making and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, of course, this movie was composed by Michael Giacchino and uh, Rogue One. Ha- Actually, let's open that up, Jake. What did you think about the music in this one? Was it overshadowed I, or what? Or or do you think Star Wars is still in good hands? I don't know. It was really weird to me. Like it was like similar but not right on target it was like hearing star wars music like off key mm-hmm. rather than hearing new and interesting stuff i thought for a lot of like the big key moments if you know what i'm saying yeah yeah like the well, ex- I like borrowed some of the flavors of it but didn't hit right the same as like your typical star wars music would have yeah like i think it really could have like impacted that whole x-wing battle but i felt like the music kind of took a sidestep in that, which I love the spectacle, but I think the music could have accompanied it, accompanied it and been better. So, yeah, I, I agree. And that's, I, I hate to say that too, because I love the composer, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a miss. Maybe it has to do with, uh, him having to come on with such short time and do this. He had a, he had one month. So that's yeah. the thing though. Like Jake, we went into like when we, when we reviewed the force awakens, Last year, we were underwhelmed with the score for The Force Awakens upon first viewing. And then we went back and then we started to fall in love with um, Ray's yeah, theme. Yeah, now, now I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Ray's theme, like you said, and all that. I, I love The Force Awakens soundtrack. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Right, right. <laughs> so I, that exactly. So I, I think maybe like – have you downloaded it on iTunes or anything? Had a chance to listen I to it? it? It's on Spotify, and I've listened to it all the way through once. And I got to tell you, it was, it was even weirder in my car than it was during the movie. Okay, okay, interesting. But I, but I don't know. You know, I, I've only seen it once. I've only heard it once. Yeah. And you're right about the Force Awakens. Like maybe in in three months, I'm like, oh, holy crap, this is amazing. Yeah, I you know, I the one thing I did like Jin's theme, and I think that that hit that hit for me. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed Jin's Jin's music. I thought that that hit. There were certain times in this in the film where I heard it and I I felt like it was very good. But everything else was just kind of like a miss for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna low taste the music if I'm giving the music its own rating. Yeah, yeah, the music. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, the music just did not hit for me either. Um, Rogue One has a runtime of 134 minutes and an estimated budget of $200 million. Last time I checked, uh, box office, I, I got it like some kind of like boxoffice.com 
uh, app or something. And it's at about 104 million globally, um, <laughs> as of right now. So, I mean, they still got to tally all of like tonight's numbers as well as Sunday's to see how it does over the weekend. But, uh, doing, doing pretty good globally so far. Uh, but guys, this is the time of the episode where we are going to rate Rogue One. So if you, and, and you know what? We're also going to have spoilers, uh, in this. So let me get, <laughs> I had to, re- <laughs> had to reboot my computer. So now I don't have my, uh, bumpers. Up. Now you need two bumpers. Yeah. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, we are going to, uh, be talking about spoilers. So let me play our spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned. Spoiler pussies. All right, that's your official spoiler warning, and uh, we are going to be rating this episode. If this is your first time listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, we do have our own unique rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, Frank, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what are you going – what did you think about Rogue One? I really liked it quite a bit. Uh, not too much about it uh, were negatives for me. There were some things I got some questions about, but um, I, 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 I kind of waffle back and forth, but the second viewing kind of nailed it for me. Uh, I'm going with a high taste it. I really like that it. it's not anything that is like majorly wrong keeping it from it being the Tupperware other than other than some of the side characters being standouts. Nobody really jumped out and stood out to me like Jen Erso was great, but it, she wasn't like a knockdown drag out standout. It was an ensemble effort and it was really, really, really quite good. But a couple things that, you know, kind of bothered me was like the uh Grand Moff Tarkin, the um, CGI uh, that they had for him, it was kind of hard to to eat and accept. I understand why they did it, but it was still kind of hard to – it kind of took me out of it a little bit seeing him on screen. It's not anything bad or wrong with the story because you know where it was going to end up heading into episode four. just, you know, a couple minor things, keeping it from being an absolute Tupperware. I didn't need, like, the couple of uh, throwaway things where they bumped into the guys that got into a fight with Luke at the, uh, at the, uh, fuck, I can't even remember the name of the town now, but in episode Moss Eisley. Yeah, thank you. And he, uh, they bumped into uh, Ponda Baba. Yeah. And, uh, and then, was it uh, Dr. Cornelius? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forget his name. Yeah. And then... Uh, it, it seemed kind of odd for me to have to see uh, C-3PO and R2-D2. It, it seemed like they were kind of shoehorned in, and it really didn't kind of fit with where they were at. Frank, they basically, up. Frank hates every Easter egg in the film is basically what I'm hearing now. It's already yeah. a Star Wars movie. I didn't need extra Easter eggs. It's already a Star Wars film. But anyway, I mean, I, I high taste it. I really liked it quite a bit. And then the uh, bit at the end with Vader, I absolutely love that bit. But, uh, yeah, there we go. High tasted. All right. All right. Now that there's no surprises left in the review. 
I mean, <laughs> did you hit every bullet point? Yeah, Frank. I mean, was there any, were there any other special cameos you wanted to call out before we before we break it down? <laughs> I, I had to try to explain why it was what it was, though. Okay. All right, uh, Jake. What did you think about Rogue One? Rogue One. Uh, right off the bat, I um, am also going to high taste it. Um, that could be a waffling score. I'll, I'll let you know. I, I'm going to definitely see this movie a second time. There are things about this movie that are absolute like Tupperware moments for me. That's for sure. Um, I, unlike Frank, actually did enjoy most of the Easter eggs. Um, but also like Frank, I was kind of a little bit taken out of it by the, uh, CGI Tarkin. I, I was kind of disappointed that it almost felt like he got more screen time and dialogue than Vader, which was kind of shocking to me. Um, yeah, this movie, like there was, there was stuff that was just fucking incredible. And like, it's really exciting to see that star Wars can do these kind of things and go in these directions. But like so many of these characters were just really one dimensional and flat to me. And that was one of my biggest problems with this movie. Like I thought, I thought Jen was okay, but I thought almost everyone else was pretty flat. I mean, with the exception of, uh, Donnie Yen, and um, the Chimwet Imway and um, the Tuso, the rest of the characters were just kind of like really flat to me. It was really disappointing. Um, even like Ben Mendelsohn, I thought he was really great, but I just thought like he didn't have anything to chew on. And I, I just didn't, his character just seemed so one dimensional to me. And I don't know if like I need to see this again and that'll kind of change the way I feel about it. And maybe it was just that first viewing kind of fuck up for me, but, but yeah. And, uh, but I did love this movie. Like there were things I did love. I loved a lot of the cinematography and the space battles. Um, you know, loved the Vader stuff that we did get for the most part, except for one thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but we'll talk about the Vader stuff. But yeah, we'll talk about all of it in depth later. What'd you think, Brian? Uh, let's see here. Uh, the first time I watched this, I watched it in IMAX 3D and I, I, I left the theater and I knew I liked it, but I didn't know. I, I, there are certain certain things that like took me out of the film for little stretches to where I could I couldn't even focus on what Grand Marf Tarkin was saying because I was just <laughs> over analyzing his face and when he would talk and how it wouldn't match up and I thought at times like he looked really good but that was when he wasn't moving. <laughs> and then when he started I think they they should have done a couple things with him. I think number 1 um I liked it when he was completely turned around and you could just see his reflection and he was talking. I think maybe that's the way they should they could have handled him. Uh or number 2 just have him appear as a hologram, okay? Yeah. He had way too much screen time. I agree. Way too much yeah. screen time. I think it does go it does say a lot for Lucasfilm to to do this though because George Lucas always was kind of like a, a visionary and uh you kind of like doing things with special effects that nobody else has ever done before. I mean this actor has been dead since Peter Cushing's been dead since 1994 and they mm -hmm. they basically brought him back to life with this and even though his eyes look dead as all fuck but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like like I think I think that Star Wars needs to do these kinds of things. I think now that it's been done 
other movies can try to attempt to do this. And, 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 and I think that, the, you know, just like Jar Jar Binks, for as much as I did not enjoy the character, the mocap on that was just oh, yeah. fantastic. And I mean, we, 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 they brought life to a completely, you know, inanimate character like this is all cgi and like they 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 were doing things before anybody it's lucasfilm i mean you know lucasfilm and james cameron they're 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 going after these things and trying to be pioneers when it comes to visual effects and i feel like that's what disney did here and maybe one day we'll look back on this and being like and we'll see like we will see like let's say we see like uh you know, uh, another character like a young Luke Skywalker, and, and maybe they'll do that one day, and it will look like Luke Skywalker, and it'll be like, oh man, remember when they tried this out on Grand Moff Tarkin? And we'll be like, ah, oh, it didn't look great, but you know, I, I, <laughs> it did not look great. It, it looked, looked terrible. It looked better in two D, Jake. I will tell you that much. It did, it, it, it did, did it. look better in two D, but because on three D you could see three D, you could see every fault with it. And yeah, it, it was crazy. Yeah, it, it looked super bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just looked like it, I kept thinking to myself, "This is like Polar Express." Like, I was thinking the Polar yeah. Express thing too. It's total Polar Express, the first Final Fantasy movie. Yeah, like it looks like, bad. Yeah, I still haven't even rated the fucking movie, have I? Nope. No, I yeah, haven't. I, you you opened the Moff Tarkin thing up though. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, you brought up a great point too. I could not focus. I've only seen it once, and I don't know anything Moff Tarkin said. Yeah, yeah, I yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that, Jake, on second viewing, I had to force myself to listen to what he was saying <laughs> because the first time I was taken so aback that they actually were doing this, and I was act, I was thinking to myself like, I can't believe it looks this bad. And yeah, yeah, me too. I, and I saw this shit with my half brother and when it was over, I was, I was, it was the first thing I complained about and he's, he didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Really? So I started, yeah, I was like, maybe it wasn't bad. Maybe I'm just an asshole. No, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's hard. I think with like his facial expressions, yeah, they just did not seem natural. Like if you go back and watch episode four, that was one of the things about, Peter Cushing and Grandma Tarkin is that his face was like iron, cold, expressionless, and in this it was it was too emotive. I think they gave him more fucking screen time in death than they gave him in A New Hope. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. And you know, I I it's it's interesting because I thought that they would have been able to because I, I we've seen what they did to in Ant Man making you know. Michael Douglas look young and yeah, they've got that down. And when they did it with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Civil War. Yeah. We it, even saw it in Westworld with, uh, uh, Anthony yeah. Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins. Thank you. my brain. <laughs> But no, I mean with, with the Anthony Hopkins thing, it was real quick, very quick. This was like, and they, and they can't even really use mocap for Peter Cushing. I mean, he's the guy, you know, like oh, right. they're, they're, they're just, they're really just bringing somebody back from the dead doing this. Well, they had they had a guy. They they did have a guy, and and the, the and the guy that they had, they actually put him through makeup because they weren't going to do this. They put him through makeup, and they 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 adjusted his jawline and made him look like Peter Cushing, and it looked better than this. Yeah, I bet it did. I it looked it did. better than this. So, yeah, it's 
I, I don't know if they made – see, that's the thing. That's the thing. You you either do what they did here or you recast the character and then you've got I, diehard fans saying, well, that's not – you know, you can't do that. You can't do that. But on the flip side, I, I feel like when they got Mon Mothma, she looked – you know, of course, they used the same actress that they didn't use in Revenge of the Sith, but she looked great. She looked dead on. Yeah, they nailed her. They nailed her. I, I, Peter Cushing is just too iconic, like, looking. And I, I completely agree with you. They just need to leave him out. He's a legend. He's not so important to the story that we needed to include him anyway. And unless we're going to see a really young version of him, I, I don't even see why we need to fuck with it. Yeah. I think the best course of action is like what you guys mentioned. Do him, put him in a hologram. Then his dialogue would have been fine. And any visual things that were off, you could just chalk that up to him being a hologram. Yeah, right. it's it's buzzing around and staticky and all kinds yeah. of shit. Yeah, Fine. yeah. I don't know. It, I, I I gotta I gotta commend them for trying to do it. I guess <laughs> they uh, obviously wanted to show this off. That's why. Yeah. That's why it's like, oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, other things that uh, <laughs> there the, the, upon first viewing of this, there were other things that kind of bothered me. Um, I, I feel like they really chopped away. At Jin Erso and her character and a lot of her scenes. Um, and so I don't feel like we got enough of her. Um, I understand that they, the scenes that they took out, they did because they had to because of the reshoots. This story got changed a lot, a lot. And I'm going to talk oh, about definitely. I'm going to talk about that later. What really got what, what really changed with Rogue One and how different of a movie it actually was before they changed this? Because uh, pretty much that first trailer that we saw, the first trailer that was released, I feel like more than 75 percent of that trailer did not even make it into the film. I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great point, and that's another reason I high tasted it. It's like some of my favorite shots from the trailer weren't even in the fucking movie. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. I, um, I, I, I really couldn't rate this after the first time I saw it. it. It's such a different Star Wars film than I've ever seen before, and I am going to applaud it for that because upon second viewing, I absolutely had a great time with this. I. I, I really enjoyed it a lot more for being different than some of the other saga films. Um, so I, I'm going to give this a Tupperware uh, based on my my second viewing of uh, Rogue One because I, I, I loved it. I, I, I started to – even though I, I, I had problems with Jin both times I watched it. But another character that I had a huge problem with the first time I watched it was Cassian Andor. And yes. upon second viewing, I I liked him a lot more. Um, I'm he, with you there. He's kind of like the anti Poe Dameron, and that's and I got to separate that. This is not a saga film, and I, I and I feel like in the saga films, there's there's a lot of things that, and we're just going to open this up for discussion now. I'm done with my rating, uh, but oh, yeah, I yeah. feel like in the saga films, like you know, you've got these characters, and I think like one of the most gray characters that we've got was probably Han Solo. In this film, I don't. When I mean gray characters, I mean really gray characters because these characters are conflicted, and I felt like that with Cassian Andor. I didn't know what I was getting into because I felt like, is this guy supposed to be like our Poe Dameron? And he's really not. Like this guy, he can be cold blooded when he needs to be. And then also with like 
Bodhi Rook's character, uh, you know, uh, Riz Ahmed. I, I, I liked him in the first viewing, but I love this guy. I think like this guy is like the unsung hero of this film. And I'm going to, I'm going to open this up for discussion, but I want to say this one quick thing and then I, I want you guys to talk. Um, but Bodhi Rook, my God, this guy, if I'm going to compare him to anybody in The Force Awakens, it is Finn. And yeah, I can see that. He, because Finn defects from the stormtroopers. Right. And when Finn defects, yes, he's scared. He's absolutely scared of, of, uh, the First Order. But when Bodhi Rook does it, like, like Finn is kind of like accepted. He does, Finn does lie about who he is, but he's kind of accepted by this group. He's accepted by Han. He's accepted by Ray. And he starts to make friends. He's like best bros with like Poe Dameron. These guys, they go through that ordeal of escaping the First Order and they're like best friends. Bodhi Rook is met with nothing but just absolute confrontation. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and this guy goes through the ringer. I mean, so much so in this movie. He is the unsung hero in this, in my opinion. Like this guy defects. He 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 tries to deliver this message from Galen Erso, and he's not met with a hug or anything. Oh no! This guy <laughs> he has like that that fucking creature like goes into his goddamn brain. It scrambles his brain up a little bit. I mean, he gets a, a bag thrown over his head by Saw Gerrera's gorillas. Uh, it's <laughs> it's crazy, and it, it's it, it it's nuts what this guy goes through. But he's still this whole time he stays true to the rebellion. Yeah, he's a re- he's a really fascinating character. I am. I hope I'm like you, man. I hope when I see this movie a second time, it's a Tupperware to me, and it was just like the weird, wonky first viewing kind of thoughts walking out of it. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, but yeah, I, and Cassie and Andor, if I could talk about him for a second, yeah, like, please. Like, yeah, like he was really cool at first. Like in the first ten minutes of the movie, he's killing that informant. And you're like, holy shit, this is a main character in a Star Wars movie, and he just, he just killed a guy, you know? Yeah. He didn't even need to do that. Yeah, that, like, that, is- yeah, that informant, he just blasts him, and it's like, there's no question, there's no question of like, did Cassian shoot first? Oh shit, it was a cold yeah. blood, he wasn't even armed. Yeah, and, and this guy's fucking, you know, working with the Rebel Alliance and shit, so you're like, wow, this is, this is fucking cool. But then like, that's where it all kind of ended with that character for me, like I just, I don't know if it was the actor or the writing, but the character was just so bland for the rest of the movie for me. Like he there's just, a lot, there's a lot going on. That's hard to keep track of that clears up a little bit on the second viewing. Uh, yeah, you probably caught it, but later on when they've got that battle that's going on in, in the town, mm-hmm. dude actually shoots a guy who was going to throw a grenade at the tank that Jen was hiding behind. Yes. So he shoots one of the rebels so there he is again doing some dirty no, shit. He shoots what? one of he shoots one of, and I, I want I don't know if we can call that guy a rebel. He shoots one of Saw Guerrero's guys. Yeah, Saw's extremist. Yeah, he was and the grenade at the tank that Jin was hiding. And out. then two tubes sees him do it. Yeah, I just wish the actor was better. I guess he just he had like zero charisma and if he's just going to be like a shit face like he wasn't interesting in that way ever see there there was the one scene where there was the one scene where he's yelling at jen about he's been fighting this since he was six years old like you did like you you have a choice as to when you want to join the resistance the the rebellion 
He's like, I've been doing this my entire life since I was six years old. And he's a lifer. That's interesting. And I feel like, like the higher authorities, they consider people like him to be terrorists. So like how long has, I mean, at, at six years old, like this kid, he, he's been fighting this battle for so long. And, and what, what I found so interesting though is like, like the rebellion this whole time is talking about like they have had like this rocky relationship with Saw Gerrera and so they need they basically wanted Jin they knew Jin had worked with him I, I didn't they know they knew Jin worked with them because mm-hmm. they asked her yeah. they said when was the last time you saw Saw and she really doesn't let them know and we find out later in the movie that it's been 8 years so if we're doing if I'm doing math here we see Jin um when she's and we'll talk about the opening scene here in a little bit. We see Jen when he's, when she's eight years old, when the movie starts off. And I read that somewhere. I think it might have been Entertainment Weekly. And then yeah. Saw takes care of her from eight for another eight years until she was 16. So – and then it was uh, from 16. Then it had been eight years since she's seen him. So she is 23 or 24 by the time we're in uh, Rogue yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. But – there's there is that scene where he's talking about he's been doing this since he was six, and um, I, I thought that was a pretty powerful scene. Even though I felt like this guy was a complete dick, and I think they set him up really interestingly, like from that first shot when, when that first ten minutes where he's on uh, the rings of Kelfry, that trading outpost, and he shoots the informant. I thought that was really smart for them to throw that in there because when later on he's called upon by General Draves to be the sniper. Well, I didn't know if he was gonna sh- if he was gonna take the shot or not because yeah. they told him they gave him an order if you have the shot you're gonna kill uh, Galen Urso and so like I did not know in that moment if he was gonna take the shot or not and the only reason he brought Bodhi Rook with him was so Bodhi could tell him who the fuck Galen was so he could take the shot. Yep. <laughs> I was like, this guy is a cold blooded killer, Jake. Like he's, yeah. I mean. If he had no intention of killing Galen, he wouldn't have brought Bodie and told Jen to say, that's fucked up, dude. He's got his daughter in the ship. I hear you, man. I Like, on paper, this character is awesome. I just, like, <laughs> he was a complete, like, wet noodle in me from the actor. Okay, I'm not going to, like, upon first viewing, I felt like that, too. I think, like, and I, and I yeah. honestly, I feel like, he he got redeemed for me in the second viewing. I really had the problem with Jin, and I don't think it was the actress Felicity Jones mm-hmm. that that did it for me. I think it, I think they pretty much they stripped her character down through all the reshoots. Yeah, it doesn't seem like she's got as much to do as what they originally intended. I mean, she only has as much to do as anybody else does in that group. Yeah, they they, they changed so much with what her arc was going to be. It's just crazy, and what yeah. was left is just kind of like the scraps. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys? Let's start off. Let's start off with this movie. Like, we're not going to break it down like scene by scene. We can go anywhere you guys want to. But I did want to start us with the opening of the film um, when uh, uh, we're going to uh, Galen Urso has been living uh, peacefully for quite some years. You know, raising his family and. He gets visited by General Krennic, and uh, I want to call him instead of the Death Troopers. I just want to call them the Phasmas because yeah, I was going to say who <laughs> gives who gives a fuck about Death Troopers now? Well, hold on. I mean, how many of them were there? There were like six of them. Yeah, 
They all got fucking killed by Baze Malbus at the end. <laughs> all six, dude. I counted. Second time I watched this, I was counting. I was like, one, two, three, four, <laughs> five. Holy shit, Baze got shot. Oh, shit. He still killed the sixth one. Hell no. <laughs> oh, man. They were so worth it. <laughs> I think, I, I think in, the, in the trailer, they showed him like doing like flamethrower shit and stuff. Yes. They burned, they burned where they lived. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Boy, they got, they got all their time cut. Ah, uh, yeah, they didn't show half of the stuff. Like in Entertainment Weekly, they had like, they showed them burning, like, you know, the Urso home. They showed one of them picking up like the doll, the Stormtrooper doll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. they show the Stormtrooper doll in the movie where they, they show Jin. Like, actually put the Stormtrooper doll in her bag, but they leave that out. Oh, man. They left that out of the movie. Can you imagine if you bought, like, the uh, $300 sideshow collectible fucking Death Trooper statue and you, you just saw this movie? You're like, fuck me. No, dude, 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 dude. I actually I – the, I was the guy who bought the, the fucking $500 Constable Zuvio sideshow. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you should have consulted me before that. I don't know what I was thinking, Jake. <laughs> oh my god. Oh shit. Yeah, but like that one, that one hurt. Yeah, yeah. So we got Krennic showing up, dude, and um, I don't know, man. I feel like I don't know how this scene hit for you guys. But um, having you know, I've gotten through half of the book of Catalyst. I have not finished the last like six hours, I think. But I felt like it was really cool to finally see these characters uh, fully realized uh, on the screen. Um, you know, it's nice. It was it was pretty cool to see Lyra, and it made a lot of sense for me. And knowing kind of like what they went through with Krennic, um, that she did not want them to go back. Uh, and it was cool seeing some blue milk. It, we saw blue milk, yes. <laughs> yeah, we saw Love the blue that. milk. But like, honestly, I feel like uh, we got the Death Troopers. They kill Lyra Urso, <laughs> and then and then it's like there's that whole scene with the with the necklace. Yes. And that scene, it didn't do anything for me. There was supposed to be in the original script for. Rogue One, they actually were going to make Jyn Erso kind of like a, a laden Jedi. Like, I guess her mother had Jedi powers. And so the, for, you know, she, she was a force user and Jin was supposed to be like a force user. And I guess that I'm, I'm guessing that was supposed to be like the kyber crystal that she would use for her lightsaber, but they completely took that out of the script and they took it out of catalyst and everything. And so that like, that kyber crystal, I, it, it was kind of cool. I guess it holds meaning because it comes from her mother and her father was doing research with the kyber crystals. But I don't know. It 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 really didn't come yeah, into nice play. Little, nice little Easter egg, though. Yeah, yes. Mm. So I mean, sometimes with Star Wars, I guess like some of that stuff is Star Wars, where you yeah. just have things on screen that never get explained that just like lead to these kind of discussions. So it's right. like. It's hard to get nitpicky about that stuff being stuff I didn't like because that that's kind of how Star Wars has always been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the scene itself didn't take anything away from me. It just didn't mean that much. Right. 
Yeah. I, and, uh, I don't know, man. It was just, I, I really enjoyed that first scene. Um, but, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of what I didn't like. I, I, I was just, I guess I was expecting more from the death troopers in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the world. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I, I did find it interesting though that the way they opened up the, the movie, you know, with Krennic and then him getting off his uh, Imperial ship was, and, and even Gareth Edwards himself kind of said something about this, that he wanted it to kind of be the inverse of A New Hope and the introduction to Vader. Vader, you know, the first time we we're introduced to Vader, Vader is like, you know, in this, in all black and he's followed by white stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And in this, we've got the inverse. We've got, you know, Krennic dressed in all white with black stormtroopers. So I, I kind of thought that was cool that it mirrored itself, but it would have been even cooler if Krennic was better and mm-hmm. and the Death Troopers did something, anything. He's like a whiny, power-hungry pussy. Yeah, the best part about Krennic was his amazing 70s hair. <laughs> Jake, you're absolutely right. No, I, 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 I'm totally with you on that. Like, you look at some of the characters and they did give him that 70s hair. And you need to do that because of the original Star Wars films. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I, when I first saw him, I was like, "Oh, I love this guy already." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, and, and that's that's where our loving relationship ended. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, they, they took out they 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 stripped his character down too. Like, there's not they don't we don't get that scene that we saw in the trailer with him and Vader, and he's talking about you know uh, this the Death Star is this it, it's this absolute power or whatever he says. That yeah. scene. They made him a little. They made him a little bitch, kind of. He's just a yeah. little bitch to everybody. Yeah, I, I, it, really, they it's did. My project, damn it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I get that. It, it really was his project, but, and I understand kind of like why Grand Moff Tarkin was in this because you know, I, I feel like Grand Moff Tarkin kind of had to be in this a little bit, but he, I don't know if we needed to see him the way we saw him. He could have been in a hologram or something. But it, I, I do think that the scene where um, Ben Mendelsohn is uh, – yeah, Krennic. I want to keep calling him Ben Mendelsohn. But Krennic, <laughs> Krennic, Krennic actually gets up in Tarkin's face and starts yelling at him and shit. Yeah. And I liked that. that. I thought that was a cool scene. Yeah, I need to see it again. I, I think I remember thinking that was pretty neat too. I was probably distracted by Tarkin the whole time. <laughs> Very likely. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk more uh, Rogue One. Uh, Jesus, Frank. Thanks. Thanks, Frank. I was just going to take a break. You couldn't wait until I hit stop. <laughs> Sorry. This is it our... I'm trying to hold my face. Oh,
right, guys, we're back. We're going to talk some more Rogue One. Now, how I want to open this up is I feel like I, I think it's kind of important. Like, I and I want to start with Jake. My question to you is: I know that you weren't impressed by certain characters. Uh, mm-hmm. m- most notably, you've pr- you've talked a little bit about Cassian Andor. You've talked about General Krennic. Uh, you've talked about, of course, you've talked about Grand Marf Tarkin. Uh, but, but, uh, I, I want I, I am curious to know who was your favorite character in this movie. And I've got it kind of like narrow in my mind, I've got it narrowed down to two characters and I want to know which one it is. Cause I, 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 I'm really curious. I don't know. It's, it's gotta be the droid. It's gotta be Tuso. Tuso was so fucking great. I, I loved him. That was, and, that uh, was one of my picks. And I, <laughs> Ch- Chim went in it was a close second. I gotta tell you, that one was really shocking to me too because I, that's not really so much my thing. I think I was kind of rolling my eyes at seeing his character in the trailer. He just wouldn't like, seeing, like <laughs> he wouldn't know, but um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like oh samurai ninja guy in Star Wars. Wow, isn't that cool? You know, blah blah blah, and uh, and that really that really blew me away. Like the, he he is great. Like I get it. Like, I get why Donnie Yen is famous now. Right. Because he, he, he is great. Like, he's just so full of charisma. Uh, just, like, the real the real subtle acting and yeah, everything. Like, yeah, he, he's yeah. fantastic. Like, okay, I, Donnie Yen is great. I highly recommend that you watch Ip Man 1 and 2. I highly recommend it, Jake. Yeah, I, I, I should. I'm very compelled to because... I was like, ah, this guy's got it. No wonder, no wonder I know Donnie Yen's name, even though I've never seen his movies. Right, right. So but yeah, I, I see why he's popular. But you actually named both characters that I thought you were going to name. So, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, and I, and really like those two characters. Like, well, Tuso's kind of an exception, but even like uh, Chimwet, like could have been fleshed out more, and that would have been cool, you know, just to have a little bit more to chew on with some of the the dialogue and everything. But he was just so great. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I I don't know if we'll ever get to see a movie uh, of this, but I would love to see a movie titled Guardians of the Wills and just have it be like the origin story of Chirrut Imwe and Baze Malbus because there's oh, so that would be fantastic. There's so much missing there, Jake. And I, I don't think we're ever gonna we're ever gonna get that film. And if we ever do, it's gonna be years from now and it won't be Donnie Yen playing the part. It'll be a younger actor and a younger guy playing Baze. But like you know, th- th- they allude to certain things with those characters that I want to know more about. N- number one, like they talk about Donnie Yen's character of Chirrut Imwe talks about how Baze Malbus used to be like the the biggest force believer he knew and how he lost his way. And I want to know that story. Like, did he lose his way? Did he, did he not, did he lose his way with the force because of, and that's another thing that I want to talk about here in a moment is if they are force sensitive, but did he lose his way with the force when the temple on Jeddah was being basically stripped down and mined for the kyber crystals. Oh, the kyber crystals. That's, yeah. That's a very interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. think about that, Jake. I mean, that, that their whole purpose on Jeddah, um, and they didn't make, they didn't talk about these guys being members of the Church of the Forest or anything like that. And I, so I honestly think that that is something that is post episode six. So that's something that was probably created by 
you know, Luke and uh, what's what's the older gentleman um, from uh, The Force Awakens that was killed early on? Oh, uh, Lor Santeca? Lor Santeca. That was probably like something that they created. But like this honestly, honestly feels like the Guardians of the Wills were kind of like the first Church of the Force. Like these guys, that's what they kind of did. This, they protected these temples. And now that the Imperial – uh, army is like running this planet and just mining that temple for the uh, for the um, kyber crystals. It feels like they they feel like they have no purpose. So later on in the movie, when they get off the planet after it's after, after Jeddah, the city's been destroyed, and they're talking about let's do this for Jeddah. That meant a lot to me, and I want to know more about the story. Yeah, I would like to know more too, and I, I agree. We'll never see that. And I- it's kind of like something that you'd really want to see visually. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to get a novel, but it's not really like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, w- w- with his fighting and everything. Like, we're not going to get to see yeah. that visually. Like, even in a comic book, you know, if they do it. And, and the thing is with the comic books and the, with the novels, you always got to worry about who's writing the story and if they get the characters right. And I feel like that's another concern. So, you know. Because I, I loved how both characters were portrayed uh, in the film. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Like, I wonder how experimental of a Star Wars movie will get eventually. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, the movie, the movie you're describing, it'd be nice to see it be like more in Donnie Yen's wheelhouse, like a you know, like just an action kung fu movie. Mm-hmm. Like to really stray from the actual Star Wars formula, because yeah. as different as Rogue One is than a saga film it's still very star wars formulaic and and i'm not knocking it for that i i I love that about it but i wonder if we'll ever get like a really experimental star wars movie or or is it always going to be like the star wars formula right yeah like kind of like the marvel formula you know what i'm saying like yeah it it all they all kind of have we have we haven't yet i mean guardians is the closest we've gotten to something that's just like really different than the fucking kind of paint by numbers plot that we've gotten. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's see. Okay. Well, let me bring this up. It, it, you know, we've, we've heard from, um, different actors that have been involved in episode eight, how different episode eight is from anything else than we've ever seen. Are yeah. You, are, Oscar Isaacs has uh, yeah. really been tooting that. Yeah. I mean, are you, are, are we buying that? Are, you know? No, I, I'm not buying it at all. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I just, I feel like it's hyperbole. Okay. All right. I, mean, I hope it, I hope it's not. Yeah. Frank. <laughs> I hope it's not, but that's, that's yeah. what I have to say. Frank, who is your favorite character, uh, in Rogue One? If, uh, if Vader can be an option, that would be it. But otherwise, it'd be K2SO. He was funny as fuck. I loved him. Thought it was great. Okay, so K, yeah, everybody's loving K. Uh, I, I am gonna go with Chirrut Imwe was my guy. I, I loved Chirrut Imwe in this. Like, there are certain things, just little things that he did in this movie that made me love his character. Uh, I love the fact that after they kicked ass in the Jetta City, after like, the stormtroopers like paid no mind to him, this guy's blind. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, he's kicking their ass. And then after he kicks all their ass, and then, uh, Baze Malbus shows up and just, uh, plays, uh, cleanup. He does some housekeeping with the rest of the stormtroopers with that semi-automatic laser rifle. Then, oh, 
after they all sit there and they start talking to each other, you've got, you know, Cassie and Andor and, and you've got Jen and, and Cheerit and Baze and they're all talking. Cheerit Imway, he takes a squat on a dead stormtrooper. I, I, I can't I even see that's what he sat down on. I couldn't, I, I loved that. I thought that was so awesome that like, he just, he's sitting there and he's talking on a dead stormtrooper. I was just like, I love this guy. I love this guy. Yeah, I very, I very may well on second, third viewing switch over to this guy being my favorite. Just like you talking about all this and like talking about his backstory and stuff is already like making me really just love this character. Like he was definitely a standout. Very much so. And like, here's my next question. It's like we've watched this guy and uh, he's always saying, I am one with the force and the force is with me. I am one with the force and the force is with me. Is, is, is he force sensitive? I think he'd have to be. Yeah, I, I agree with Frank. I think I think in some way he is. Because, Frank, me and you kind of talked about this during a text message, and it was something that we noticed during the film, is yeah. when he is fighting, the more he is fighting, uh, the end of that staff started to glow. So I, I, yeah. I, I firmly believe that it is a kyber crystal. And I believe. I wish there was something that you could see that it was doing. Right. It was almost like an afterthought. I mean, you could see that it was glowing, but I didn't notice it doing anything special. Yeah, yeah. I read an interesting theory on Reddit. I don't know if I put any stock into it. I do believe that that Chirrut Imwe is force sensitive, but this is the post that I read on Reddit. Um, it says Chirrut Imwe's staff comes from a force sensitive tree. That's the oh, title. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, no. It says, it's been said that Chirrut is not force sensitive himself. So how is he, so how is it he's able to take down several armored stormtroopers with a seemingly ordinary wooden staff? Perhaps his staff comes from a force sensitive tree similar <laughs> to the one in Shattered Empire. So I think it's an interesting post, uh, but, um, I don't Shattered, know. Shattered Empire is my least favorite Star Wars canon thing. Really? Okay. Oh it, yeah. It's, yeah. I find I read it on finally on the unlimited. Yeah. I, I I cannot stand it. Like the fact that we have to have conversations involving that mythology, it, it was really bad to me. With four sensitive trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Like oh, is is Poe a Jedi or not? Because of the stupid fucking comic book. Yeah, yeah. Get, get the fuck out of here with that. I, I mean, I, yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's hard not to talk about it. It is canon. Right. So you have to consider it. It is like, canon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even the art wasn't that great. So. I would say my, for, my. Sorry for my tangent. No, there. you're fine. I would say my second favorite character was, was probably, uh, Bodie Rook. I loved Bodie Rook. I thought. Yeah, wow. You're really waving the Bodie Rook flag. I am. I have to pay more attention to that next time. I just feel like this guy, this guy is really the unsung hero of this team. (laughs) I I really do. And I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for some of the, for some of the things that he did in this movie. I, 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 he, he was I the. She would have got the uh, Bobby Rook figure instead of the uh, Death Trooper. Yeah, you went a little robotic there. You sounded a little like K two S O. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's no problem because he's your favorite character. So it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, I I love I loved K two S O as well. I loved his introduction. I loved it when we're on Wilbani, which is the Imperial uh, like 
camp, like the prison camp, where they yes. ta- where they take like their prisoners. Like, what do they do? Like, they didn't really get into Wabani that much. And I, I loved actually <laughs> being introduced to all these different worlds that we had never seen before. Um, Wabani yeah. kind of just looked like kind of like a clay dirt planet, um, which I guess I could expect from you know a planet that's basically a prison, but. It was it was interesting to see all these different pl- planets, but when we're introduced to K2SO, when they're like busting Jin out uh, before she gets imprisoned, it was and it, it, what's crazy about that is that basically she was born in a prison. Like she, so this is nothing. Yeah. This is nothing new to her. Like if you read Catalyst, you knew like she was uh, she was born when they when her and her father uh, when uh, her father and uh, her mother were imprisoned by the Valtians. So this is nothing new to her. This is this is her life. But I loved it when she got out and K2SU just like choke slams her and he says congratulations you've been rescued i loved it <laughs> what a great introduction yeah that was, was amazing they were fighting on jetta and uh he shows up and tells him that two people supposed to be inconspicuous with lots of explosions just catches that fucking grenade tosses it back he's like you're right i should have stayed on the ship yeah <laughs> yeah I like I like yeah. uh, K2SO for a lot of reasons. I don't think they're as – I mean they're not as iconic and never will be as iconic as Han and Chewie. But it's the same kind of like relationship. You know what I mean? Like Han, yeah. Han rescued Chewie from a life of, you know, uh, of enslavement. And the same thing happened here. He reprogrammed K and, and let him be free from the Imperials. And, uh, K is kind of like this big, strong droid. And, and, um, I, I, liked, I never felt that much love between the two characters, though, between Cassian and, and Tuso. There was a, there was a kind of a throwaway line where he, he I think it was K said something to Jin and he's like, um, oh, it was like her joining them on the mission and he's like, I'm glad you're here or something like that because K told me, because, uh, uh, uh um, Cassian told me to or something and, oh. but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I didn't feel like there was a lot between them. So like th- there was a scene, of course, spoilers for the force awakens, you know, when, when Han dies and you hear Chewie kind of like, you know, w- you know, cry. Oh yeah. It's, you cringe. Yeah. And in this, like, I felt bad when K died. Like when K oh, two, yeah. I, when oh, K yeah. died and the way he went out, I was just like, "That is a badass droid. I love this guy. He fucking fought tooth and fucking nail so that you know th- this mission could be accomplished. And without yeah. him, it would not have been accomplished. But when no, he, huh? but when he died, it was it was like, you know, I could tell Cassian was upset, but it just didn't hit me as hard but on the flip side it's like we've had four movies with chewbacca and han together in these films we've had four movies and in this movie like we knew that we were not going to get rogue two like we knew this was it yeah we did we did that's true so it's too bad it's too bad i did feel bad when he died you're right but there was no like it didn't seem like cassian yeah really can we talk about like we talked about some CGI that we didn't like? We didn't like the Grand Moff Tarkin. Another thing that I did not like was Saw Gerrera's little beast that had the tentacles. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was really about. weird. Like, you know, instead of giving Bodhi Rook some kind of, like, truth serum, they they unveiled this this beast, this tentacled beast that would get into his brain um, called, like, the – I can't remember. It was, like, the Benadoc or whatever it was. The I don't know. I can't remember. But it was this 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 little slug monster or whatever it was. And, and I, I thought the CG on that did not look good. Yeah, I agree. It, it was pretty awful. Did did a lot of Saul's material hit the cutting room floor? Oh yeah, I mean that whole speech. There was there was a whole speech that Saw gave in the original trailer that did not make it into this film. Um, yeah, yeah. It seemed like I, I really expected him to be a bigger player in this whole thing than he eventually ended up being. Like even CGI Grand Moff Tarkin got more screen time than he did. Right. Yeah. He really seemed to me just to be like some violent extremist throwaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, remember, do you remember the, in the first trailer, he he's talking to Jen and he's like, you know, uh, what will you become? You know, and <laughs> yes. Ooh, really good. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> that that never happened. That line never happened, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go through – actually, like once we get done talking kind of about this movie, I'm going to talk to you guys about some of the things that were kind of like whittled down from like the original script and the and, and some of the things that we – some of the things we saw in Entertainment Weekly and some of the things that we, we saw from that first trailer that did not make it into the final movie because it was – Yeah, a, I'm super excited about that conversation. Yeah. There's some stuff I want to talk about. Like my favorite moment in all three trailers is like didn't even happen. Right. Guys, we, we kind of talked um, about – some of the CGI that we did not like, um, you know, I talked about that, that creature and I, and I also, we also talked about Grandma Tarkin and I'm with you guys on that. But like, can I talk about something that I did like? I, I, I really enjoyed seeing Red Leader and Gold Leader. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, cool. yeah, that was good. Now, I, can I talk about like my first audience when I saw it in IMAX opening night? My first audience when they saw Red Leader and they saw Gold Leader, they all kind of like clapped and cheered. And mm-hmm. in my second audience, which was probably a group of 20 people, I could tell like these were more casual fans of Star mm-hmm. Wars. And it really didn't bring about any response as opposed to like my first crowd that like they're there opening night. They are Star Wars fans. And when they saw Red Leader and Gold Leader, it was like, woo, you know, there were some claps, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, we had and, them too. Yeah, and in my second yeah, audience, yeah. it was not that at all. It, and I don't know about you, Frank. Did you experience that at all in your second viewing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like night and day. Yeah, it really was for me too. I, I kind of noticed that. But I thought, like, I thought that worked really well. Um, I thought it looked really good too. It was yeah, really well, yeah, they pulled that off. I, it's, I guess it's just because Peter Cushing just has such a fucking unique face. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, honestly, like with the, the Leia bit at the very end, that didn't draw me out of the film in any way, shape, or form. A- even as close up as what that was, it was fine. Ah, I didn't yeah, it like it either. Enough. I didn't like it. 
it was really? bad. It was bad too, but at least it was shorter than the Tarkin stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if it was on screen more, I would have found more problems with it. But it was nice and brief because she only had the one line. Yeah, it, it's just I, I was really impressed with uh, the de aging that they did with Michael Douglas and Ant Man, and what they did with Robert Downey Jr. But I mean, you're trying to go pre cocaine, uh, pre cosmetic surgery with uh carrie fisher and it just did not work for me man it just did not look good yeah the nose looked weird yeah it looked weird <laughs> it, it really did <laughs> i was like ooh, that was kind of ending the movie on a weird note <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i bought it can we uh, uh talk about the vader stuff a bit yeah let's talk about vader there so there's like three vader scenes right yeah i i really hated the second vader scene Okay, hold on. You're going a little robotic. Start that again. I hated the second Vader scene. Okay. I just, it was so dumb to me. Like, the Krennic? So, the Krennic conversation, yes. And oh. and Vader doing that stupid fucking choke dialogue. What did he say? Like, don't choke on your uh, aspirations. Yeah. aspirations. I, I was like, oh, that was, that was the worst line in the entire movie. Yeah, that was a, that was that was a bad one liner. <laughs> oh, hold on! Delivered by Darth Vader, the worst line of the whole movie. The worst line of the whole movie. They actually left out of the film. It was "I rebel." <laughs> but, that, is, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Had that been in the movie, we, we'd have an argument. But it's not. But it's not there. So uh, I Choking. was. I was. The, I had the problem with that line. You. It, it worked for you in the trailer for some fucking crazy reason beyond me. I'm, I'm just saying it could have been the worst line of the movie, maybe. Right. I would have I had an argument with you. Right. This is bad. Did you like this This part? This part was so dumb to me. Uh, I, 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 the only part that I liked about it was yeah. the – and I, I want to talk about this a little bit more actually. Um, the only part I liked about it was the fact that we did get confirmation that Vader has a castle – <laughs> and it's <Yeah. laughs> and it's on Mustafar, the planet where yeah. he got fucked up in Revenge but of the Sith. You just go ahead yeah. and stay here with the rest of your lost body parts. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That that is pretty wild. That's like some emo like uh Edward from Twilight shit going on. Yeah, this guys, this is like no, hold on. Like I don't want people I don't want correction Tuesday people. Uh those are people those are listeners of ours that like on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, the day after this is released, to say, Well, how do you know that that's Mustafar? How do you Well, guys, this was actually confirmed by Lucasfilm story group executive Pablo Hidalgo. He's confirmed that the castle is on Mustafar. So I don't want to hear any of your corrections. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That that is awesome. But yeah, this scene was like, eh. I, I just didn't really care for it. I thought the the first scene where we saw Vader in like the tank, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. 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 yeah that was, was really that looked amazing in IMAX 3D. We saw him in the back to tank. Uh, I did like that. Uh, we didn't get to see as much of him as I thought we were going to see, um, you know, because we did see that leaked photo of what he would look like. And you actually got to see, like, the limbs torn off and then, like, you know, uh, him missing his legs. Oh, I remember that. I remember but, um, do you, okay, I, and I'm going to ask you this question. There was a lot of speculation that um, Hayden Christensen was brought on to 
the set of Rogue One to film some of these scenes. A lot of people were saying that for a long time. Do you think that they could have gotten away? And I'm not talking about having Hayden Christensen in the suit, but I'm saying could they have gotten away? Would you got, would you have been fine with it if it would have been an aged, burnt up face of Hayden Christensen as they drain the back to tank? And we just got to see it for a split moment. Would you have been fine with that? Or would it have t- another moment to kind of like Grand Moff Tarkin and maybe even Leia that kind of took you out of the film? I think, I think what they did was perfect, actually. I, I think you, I think you saw a lot and it was um, subtle enough and I, I thought it was beautiful. I was actually kind of worried as they were kind of panning down and the smoke or liquid or whatever was draining out of what I was going to see. I'm like, whose face is it going to be? And I was glad they didn't show us. Yeah. yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but Jake, you really did not like that. You know what? It didn't work for me either. Um, it, it, I, I think the whole interaction with him and Krennic was not as epic as it could have been. Like, I think had they've built like Orson Krennic up a little bit too, it could have been yes. a lot cooler. Like, you know, like of course everybody. Vader's epic. Vader is like epic as all fuck. Get out. He is amazing. But they did not build Krennic up to be like no, the character. Yeah, it, it fucked Krennic over big time. That yeah. Scene. Yeah. 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 You, you're you're exactly right. It completely undersold him as any kind of a credible villain or threat. And just to deliver a cheesy one-liner. Well, I, they, they, they had already done that. They've already, they, okay, they've already like undersold him as a villain. <laughs> Every scene that he gets with somebody in any scene, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin makes him look like yeah. a pusshole. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like, I, 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 I too had a problem with this. And before the movie started, like we had talked about this in previous episodes, we, we kind of thought to ourselves that maybe like Vader and Krennic were okay we talked about there were two theories that we had heard we heard that vader was maybe on the same level same ranking as krennic or krennic was actually over vader (laughs) we were totally wrong yeah So, So yeah totally wrong about that It, it seems like you know if if we're if we're looking at the totem pole here, you know, it's, it's, it's at this point, it's basically, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole, it's Krennic and, and then Vader, then Tarkin and then the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And, it, and, it, so- and it seems oh, like, it seems like that, that Krennic was kind of like a blue collar guy that really had to make himself, that had to work himself into like, uh, the whole, uh, imperial, ranking it it feels like he really had to work hard to get where he was and he still got no respect he's like the rodney dangerfield of this universe (laughs) you know like he really had to like he was kind of i know he was part of like the scientists like the 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 future scientists and he worked alongside you know he knew galen urso from that program and things like that but he had to work really hard to get where he was and like there were some people that were kind of like entitled of course you had vader because he is he was at one time a jedi and the emperor had his eye you know his eyes set on him and and his does, side uh, go ahead does krennic does krennic get a lot of time in the uh prequel rogue one book in the oh yeah in in, in catalyst yeah yes like krennic is introduced very early um he's introduced 
before he's even he's introduced before he even like interacts again with uh uh Galen Urso and Lyra Urso. Like, you know, he he starts to interact with this uh this military leader named Haas, who's part of the I think he's part of the rebellion from what I remember. But like he interacts with that guy in like one of the early chapters in Catalyst. So he's he's got a lot of time in Catalyst and they, and they build that character up. So I feel like for me, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty deep into Catalyst. I, I feel like some of these scenes hit a lot more for me, especially like at mm-hmm. the, at the beginning with Lyra and Galen and, and a lot of that stuff like really hit pretty hard for me because I had read, you know, a lot of Catalyst, but on the flip side, like I feel like Catalyst does a better job with the characters <laughs> of, of Krennic. Mostly, I, I I feel like Mads Mikkelsen nailed Galen Urso. He nailed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. More of him for sure. Yes, he nailed Galen Urso. Like I don't think anybody else could do the role the way that he did it. He he nailed it. He was fantastic. But and I love Ben Mendelsohn. Like I'm a huge Ben Mendelsohn fan. I loved him in uh, Bloodlines, uh, that series on Netflix with Kyle Chandler. He's a great actor, but. You know, uh, you know, you've got a movie where they, they've also got, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin making tons of appearances and Vader is in there. So we didn't get as much Krennic time and Krennic, we didn't get, they didn't really build his character up that well. No, and, he, and, and you're right. The actors seem very capable and we could have got a really cool new kind of character. Yeah. Like think of how cool they made Thrawn. Right, like, and that was that yeah. was just in a book. Like, they should they should have been able to come up with something really neat here, but instead they just had someone that was constantly getting undermined by other people. Yes, yes, I agree. For all intents and purposes, he should have been like, other than Vader being like the overarching big bad, he should have been like the the driving force of the evilness of the Empire throughout the film. And instead, he kind of came off as like they're lackey and a joke. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They, they, they really dropped the ball with Krennic and it's too bad because the, the look of the character is, is fantastic. Yeah. Do you, th- just- do you think that they could have built up Krennic? I mean, do you think that they could have done this whole thing? They could have had one scene with him and Grand Moff Tarkin disagreeing. And then towards the end of the movie, you could have had that scene where Grand Moff Tarkin ordered that, you know, Scarif be destroyed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that could have been it. I mean, we could have got more time. With Krennic and the Death Troopers throughout the entire film, we didn't need as much Grand Moff Tarkin as we got. Right, yeah, I I agree. The, the Grand Moff Tarkin was overexposure. It was like okay, 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 enough already. Right. Yeah. In fact, his being there took away from Krennic. Oh, definitely, hundred percent agree. I was so, yeah. slightly annoyed when they first introduced like Mon Mothma, and then. Mm-hmm. They showed that little snippet, just that little – they showed a little bit of Bail Organa and I'm like, that's it? <laughs> Do you remember – you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the yeah. little Jimmy Smith's cameo. Yeah, the, the the small Jimmy Smith's cameo at the beginning. We got more of him later. Thank God we did. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. I was, was just like – I was like, that's, that's fucking it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I got a very quick question for you guys uh, with that interaction with Vader and Krennic. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sad, and there's nothing that can be done about it, but were you guys able to tell the age in James Earl Jones' voice? Oh, he said, no, this is the best he sounded since um, episodes, uh, episode six. Okay. Yeah. It, it- a little off to me. I, I, I was there. like, I, I thought, I thought they did great. I honestly felt like James Earl Jones was fantastic in this. Like when I heard him in uh, Revenge of the Sith, I was just kind of like, yeah. I, I, I didn't know if it was actually James Earl Jones or like another actor that was pretending to be James Earl Jones. It just when I first watched it, and I, for years, I, I thought like that was not James Earl Jones. So I thought I instantly knew this was James Earl Jones. I thought he did great. Well, yeah, I thought I thought it was okay. I mean, it wasn't anything due to his performance. Just you could tell the age in his voice is all. It's not anything that really took away from it. It's just you know he's getting older. It just kind of sucks that he won't be around. Oh, dude, he's no man. He's he's doing this. He's killing it in those Arby's commercials. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, I'm not telling like the, I, yeah, I don't write them off yet, Frank. Don't write them <laughs> off yet, man. Seriously, Rogue One, they've got the meats, you know. He and and he, got the meats. No, I'm serious. Like he he sounded. I thought he sounded pretty damn good. Like I, I yeah, could, yeah. You know, like I don't. I don't. When I hear him talking about, you know, they've got the meats in those Arby's commercials. It sounds like a. It sounds like a young, energetic man excited about meat. So <laughs> I think he pulled it off. Was something was something weird about Vader's costume like at the collar right the tunic. below the neck? Yes, yes. The, the tunic. That drove me crazy yes. during this um Krennic conversation scene. It drove me nuts. I was like, I what the fuck is up with this collar? So hold on, hold on. It was like sticking over the the cape. Yeah, part. yeah. The tunic was like wasn't it underneath in in, in a new hope? Yeah, I'm uh, yeah. 100%. I, I actually watched A New Hope the next day at home. Yeah, yeah. And was like, okay, yeah. So it was super weird. You didn't notice it so much in the third Vader scene, but in this scene when it's just a talking head scene between him and Krennic for a while, like it was like really glaring. Yeah. Yeah, the second time I watched it, I was like, I couldn't look away. It was bad. <laughs> Guys. Yeah, this scene, this was the worst scene in the movie, the second <laughs> Vader scene. I can't disagree with that. We'll get to the, <laughs> we'll get to the last Vader scene, uh, I didn't know I could support for this, so I, I'm like, I feel a little bit more sane. Cause I was like, oh, man, I hated that scene. No, it, it, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it it, it should have been amazing. It really should have been amazing. Like, had they built up Krennic's character a little bit more, and then they left out like uh, the choking on your aspirations line. Um, <laughs> had they left that out, it would have been a little bit better. But like, Arnold Schwarzenegger was Darth Vader. And, and uh, another thing, like, like I love Ben Mendelsohn, but I feel like this is the first time like he's been in something. Th- he's been in something this big. Like, this is a two hundred million dollar budget film. I feel like this is the first time he's ever had to deal with like, like uh, talking to like a CGI character because yeah, yeah. it wasn't convincing when he was talking to Grand Moff Tarkin. It was not convincing. Yeah, he was. He was definitely not helping matters. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm sure that there was a physical actor there, but it just didn't work for me. Um, but um, let's see here. What was I wanting to jump into? Yeah, can we talk about, like, Saw Gerrera? Like, what did you guys think of, like, Forrest Whitaker uh, himself in this film, as well as kind of, like, the 
<laughs> the Saw Gerrera's uh, troops, uh, the people that were following Saw Gerrera, and some of the, like the extremist tactics that they had. Like, how did you feel about that? Yeah, that that was very interesting. I mean, it, it was it was really cool to see that kind of gritty stuff in a Star Wars movie. Like, I thought that was really cool. Like, I wish we could have gotten more time with that that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I felt like the his character is. It's it's crazy to see like the transformation his character is made from like when he is fighting, when he's learning how to be a soldier and be a rebel when he's working with Obi Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka, and Anakin to what he becomes. Yeah, I, w- I really wish we could have still seen him. Um fight when he's in that condition yeah yeah because i'm assuming he still can and and that that would have been really cool. i don't know dude he has like fucking like a sleep apnea breathing machine yeah <laughs> i mean i mean but look at look at darth vader though i mean is he in any better condition yeah but he's force sensitive uh that's true He's got that going. For him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, and I, I think like he has probably better access to better electronics. <laughs> <I've>, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's like you know, it's like he's got like on his side. Yeah, even I buy Imperial when I get a PC. Right, right. That's I'm a, not getting that Rebel shit. Yeah, well, dude. I feel kinds of fucking feet. I feel like fucking like Vader's upgrades are coming straight from like, you know, Bill Gates and like Saw Gerrera. <laughs> Saw Gerrera is like piecing his shit together from like fucking Radio Shack, you know? I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Ripping apart computers for parts and shit. He's yeah. du- he's dumpster diving for electronics. <laughs> Oh shit, dude! I just found an old Packard Bell. That's gonna go awesome on my torso. <laughs> oh no! Oh man! But yeah, I, 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 just like what's fucked up is like you know you've got Mon Mothma and she's talking to like General Draven and some of these guys, and, and she's talking about how. I, I found this interesting. She's talking about how the Senate still exists. Like, we haven't been able to talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, by the time we get to A New Hope, you hear Grandma Tarkin say that the se- the Emperor has basically disassembled the Senate. It's gone. So, like, with within days of this happening, like, the Senate is gone now from A New yeah, Hope. That, that is a really cool note. Yeah. And I also found it interesting how Grandma, uh, how uh, Mon Mothma, excuse me, is talking about how like how some of the tactics that that Saw Gerrera uses are so out there, and, and and they and the rebellion can't get behind some of his like extremist tactics. But on the flip side, you've got like General Draving say, saying, "Kill Galen or so." And uh, you've got Cassie and Andor, like, killing his informant, like, in cold blood. And it's like, how different are these groups? I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, Saw Gerrera is, like, throwing bags, potato sacks over people's heads and shit. And, yeah. uh, you know, and torturing them with this fucking slug monster. Um, which another scene that I loved was cheered Imway when they put the bag over his head and he's like, seriously guys, I'm blind. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that got a lot of laughs out of my first crowd. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that was, that, yeah. I agree, Brian. That one thing Rogue One did 
really, really well is I think avoid kind of like the prequelitis. Like I know Frank in his review kind of said like one of the negatives was like he kind of knew how everything was going to happen. But I, I actually thought this movie played against that type and did a really good job of it by kind of exposing the underbelly of what it took to make the events at the beginning of A New Hope happen. Yes. I thought it, it was very from left field. Yes. Like the exact opposite of prequelitis. And it was actually probably one of my most favorite aspects of the movie. Jake, you bring up a great point. Um, when in any other Star Wars movie, when I see tie, when I see X-Wings show up, I'm excited. It's like, yes! Yeah, man, the X-Wings are showing up. We got reinforcements. Yeah. I got that in this film, but there was also a scene in this film where the X-Wings fucking show up, and I was a little upset that they did, and it was a scene where they basically bombed the fuck out of Galen Erso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, you know, on yeah. General Draven's orders, and I, and it was the first time in a Star Wars film where I was just like, oh no, we got X-Wings showing up. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It was shocking as fuck. And it's, it's like, yeah, you know, the rebels are going to get the plans, but it was, it was extremely shocking to oh. see what means they, they took. Yes. To get them. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me, and let me throw this out there. This is like, this has been something that people have been talking about on the internet, Jake, um, is the fact that like they could not get into this movie because they knew what the outcome was. We all knew that, you know, the, the rebels were going to get, the Death Star plans. Yeah, this this movie cured that. In my opinion, if that's your opinion after seeing it, that that is crazy. Well, hold on, Jake. Let me throw this out to you. When you watched Saving Private Ryan, did you not know what the outcome of World War II was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe I did. Okay, I, I I hope so. I hope we all I hope we all were involved in some sort of a high school like uh, history class. Hell, they taught me that shit in fucking fifth grade. So it, it's one of those things where like I know how these wars end. I knew going into Titanic that the boat is going to hit an iceberg, but I didn't know yeah. if fucking you know Jack Dawson was going to survive or Rose was going to survive. I, I knew none of these things. I didn't know that there was some fucking crazy motherfucker played by Billy Zane going around shooting a pistol on the Titanic. Now, I know none of that stuff happened, but that's the thing. Like, this movie, too, is basically we know what happens. This is just showing the team that was heroic enough to get the plans into the hands of the rebels so that Luke could make that fucking trench run and destroy the Death Star. And so I felt like they pulled that off. I think they yeah, pulled it. Was, it, yeah. it was, I agree. It was super fucking cool. Like, and I'll, I'd be the first one to, to wave the prequelitis flag. Right. Um, I also really liked how they explained why they had this big, stupid fucking weakness in the Death Star in the first place. <laughs> I'm right. glad you brought it up, Jake, because that's something I wanted to talk about, too. This, and I thought that was fantastic. Well, for years, like, that's been a joke, man. We've always talked about, like, why would they make this huge Death Star with like, this one weakness? And, like, yeah, insert, insert missile here. Right, mm. yeah. So now we know that Galen Erso was the one that actually, he, 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 he was the architect behind this, and and he was the one that created this weakness, so it could be taken down. And so I think that that cleared up a lot of a lot of a, a lot of things. 
What I don't understand. I love it. It was like a giant Death Star Easter egg. But I, but what I don't understand though, Jake, is because the Death Star plans were taken and everything like that. How is they? How is it that they made a second Death Star so quickly? Does that make sense? Maybe they were already working on it. Were the schem- okay? Were the schematics? They had to have already been working on it, right? Because I mean, there was a yeah. lot, a lot constructed. So that's what I assume. I assume they're already. Once we've got one, we're already. Why aren't we building okay. a second one? That's a good. It's that's not a, like they only have one star destroyer. Like I'm sure they just. It's yeah. go time. And before we take another break, I wanted to bring this up too because now that I'm thinking about it, is how did. Maybe you can answer this for me, Jake. How did C-3PO and R2-D2, who we got cameos in this film when they're on Yavin 4, how did they get on Leia's ship? Ah, like shit, because I don't, I don't know. And that was why that bothered me, because it was the scene before that that you've got Bail Organa talking to Mon Mothma about how he was going to basically send Leia to go get Obi-Wan. And it was after that that you see them on Yavin 4 and everybody's packing up, taking off to go to Scarif. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're with they're with Leia, though, at that point still. Dude, I, so. this this happens like, I, I don't know, I, I guess, I mean, it, it, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, everybody's, everybody is making uh, preparations on Yavin 4 to go to the Battle of Scarif, but, like, one of these guys is just going to shuttle the droids onto the ship. I mean, I'm just going to assume it happened off screen in some kooky way. Like, you know how in episode two, C-3PO gets into the big misadventure where he's like getting bopped around in the battle droid factory or something. Yeah. Uh, like somehow 3PO like falls off a cliff into the ship and falls into another ship and then just ends up where he needs to be. Yeah. Okay. I would, I would have been happier not to see them. It's already a Star Wars film. We didn't. No, we've had we've had them. I, I I enjoyed seeing them. We've had we've had them. I in, love it too. Yeah, we've had them in every <laughs> Star Wars film, and I'm glad that I'm glad that they they made an appearance in this movie. It, it would not have felt. I don't know. It, there's kind of like that 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 connective tissue, and I feel like R two D two and C three PO in any form are the connective tissue of any Star Wars movie, and it was nice to see that. We didn't break the streak. We've had can I, can I say so? We've had R two D two in every film now. So thank God for that. I love that they also got the uh connective tissue of uh having Tuso do the uh, I've got a bad feeling about this line. I thought that was a very great moment. He and they shut his ass up before he could finish the yes, yes. Yes. He didn't I get to finish it. the line, but I did love it too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that moment was probably the biggest reaction from our crowd. That's awesome. That's very cool. That's very cool. Guys, we're going to take another quick break and come back and talk about some more uh, Rogue One. Yo. Guys, we are back. Uh, we got lots more Rogue One to talk about. I feel like we've barely even scraped the fucking surface. 
Yeah, this this one's going to be hard to just make sure we hit everything. <laughs> yeah, we might not hit everything. It might be one of those things where we follow up on it in uh, later episodes and talk about uh, things. Because Jake, you oh, still surely. you got to get that second viewing in. I, I find it really interesting because like, we've learned in the past that like you have watched things, and upon second viewing, you'll give it a Tupperware rating. Uh, Civil War stands out, not Civil War, but uh, Winter Soldier stands out for me. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm hoping that's the case. I because it sounds like it might have been a little bit of the case with you after the first viewing. It really was. I was really undecided. Like when I first watched it, Jake. I'll be honest with you, man. Leaving the theater, I gave it a taste. It and upon second viewing, when I'd already seen like Grand Moff Tarkin and all the, all these things that were <laughs> that were a little off putting to me, I kind of just I started to just like n- not focus so much on um, what what I did not like about the film and I started mm-hmm. to just kind of like go with it and, 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 and understand like the mission that they were on. And that's kind of like where I want to talk about now is the culmination of the actual mission rogue one. Did you guys buy it? Like when, when <laughs> they're all together and you've got like, I can't remember the name of the, the blue Mon Cal that was kind of like the, uh, um, <laughs> he was kind of like the leader. Oh, I forget what his name was too. Yeah, I, I thought he was neat though. It was it was not Akbar. It was that blue no. Mon Cal that we'd actually seen, like in I think the second trailer for Rogue One, and uh, we saw like you know a lot of these people that were in the rebellion uh, talking, and Jin was talking, which I felt like it was a great speech that Ro- uh, that uh, Jin Erso gave. I feel like they just didn't build the character up enough to where I was just like, oh, wow, I see this in Jin. I see this in Jin. I, I get it though. She had been, she had been basically raised by Saw Guerrera for eight years and she saw a great leader, a, a great leader that had been, you know, uh, taught by Ahsoka, that had been taught by Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker that had fought alongside with them and learned their tactics and she had been around Saw Gerrera for so long that I feel like she had this in her. Like she had that speech in her. And she did rally some of those people within that meeting. Like some people – she was saying like this is the time to do it. If we scatter now, if we do not fight them, if we scatter now, we have lost. Now is the time to rally. And you like you heard like the people in the peanut gallery of this meeting that were like, yeah, we're behind yeah. you. And then, <laughs> and then you heard some people say like, no, we can't do it. We're fucked. Um, <laughs> but I feel like she had that in her. I don't know if the movie did a great job of building her character up to where that speech was as impactful as it could have been. But I bought it. I felt like that was one of the better Jin moments. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of had to piece it together, though, that you know she had been uh, fighting along Saw Gerrera for since she was eight years old to the time she, where she was sixteen. That that he had, you know, she had fought alongside him, and and uh, even though when she saw him again, she was a little pissed off at him, which I totally get, but I also understand like why why he did leave her in that trench. I mean, because love. that and because he, he, he did mention that, you know, like 
one of these days somebody would have put it together that you are the son of Galen Erso and it would have made us a bigger target and you would have been a bigger target and you kind of needed to disappear and not be a part of this. I had mm-hmm. taught you everything you needed to be taught. You know, I left you with a, I, I left you with a blaster. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt like you were safe. Um, but I, I kind of had to piece that together. That was, that was one of those things where she's giving that speech and she's trying to rally the troops and, and have them rescue her father. Uh, not rescue her father, excuse me. He had already died by that moment, by that time, right? Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's just trying to rally the troops for like one last, you know, hurrah and try to, you know, take down, uh, the, uh, imperial forces. I, I bought it upon second viewing. Um, what did you guys I think? Thought, I thought this was a very, I thought this was a very serviceable scene. Like, I, I bought it too. It, it wasn't getting me hooping and hollering, but I, I wasn't distracted by it. Yeah. Frank. The only thing that made me kind of confused by that bit was because of how the film had gone up to that point. The only thing really she was to them was that guy's daughter. And she was saying, oh, well, there's a plan to blow it up and there's no reason to believe her. So it's kind of hard to believe that they were giving her the floor so much just based on how her character had developed up to that point. But I'm sure that's due to stuff that got cut out that was supposed to be there before. Well, hold on. I mean, she is the daughter of the guy that basically was behind this entire thing, but they didn't necessarily trust Galen Erso. Like he had been working with them. So they, they, they were really skeptical as like, can we trust her? Because like, her father is like the architect behind the whole Death Star and behind this whole technology that is a world destroyer, a, a planet destroyer, a planet killer. And so like I can I can kind of understand like where they're coming from. But like I bought her speech like she's 100 percent right. Like if they scatter, if they do not join forces, it's over. It's over mm-hmm. with. And so – but it was nice to see, I, 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 this, upon second viewing, when, 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 when she is with Chirrut Imwe and Baze Malbus, and all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, Cassian Andor, this guy who was about to kill her father, shows up and says, you know what? These guys behind me? <laughs> it's a mixed bag. I mean, I've got I've got mercenaries here. I've got <laughs> I've got I've got I've I've got all these guys that are ready to join with us. Like, you know, these are not all good guys. I'm sure like some of these guys have done some really horrible things, but they're ready to stand with you and they're ready to fight with you. And uh then you've got Bodie Rook saying, "Well, we can do this. It's it's going to be cramped." And I I kind of laughed at that. I thought it was a funny moment that they can all fit on the ship, but ship, it's going to be cramped. But I I bought, I bought the culmination of that team and and I really enjoyed seeing that scene of them kind of coming together as kind of like a hail Mary, like we can do this. And I, I loved it when Baze Malbus said, you know, like how many do you need? Then, you know, Cassian Andor shows up with the rest of the crew. And I was just like, I was really getting pumped for this, that they are. I, I agree. The third act was by far the best part of the whole movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That whole thing worked for me from then on. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys like the, the fucked up thing for me though is like when, when they show the planet of Scarif, um, and the whole thing is like being blocked off by like this, by this, uh, this force field. And I'm thinking to myself, like, 
you guys have the technology to create an entire force field around this planet, but you can't figure out like the Death Star. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's a lot to take in. But yeah, I, don't don't try to think about Star Wars science too much. Yeah, that's so true. You're so right. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know about you guys, but like. As far as, like, I was way more impressed with the different planets that we saw in Rogue One than I was with the planets that we saw in The Force Awakens. Like, we'll talk about, I like... Think that's, I yeah. think that's a valid point. Yeah. They almost seem to have more personality in Rogue One than they did in yeah. Episode Seven. They yeah. were very generic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like uh, Starkiller Base was kind of like kind of generic and, you know, like an ice planet or whatever, and it just reminded me of Hoth and... Yeah, Jakku was just a Tatooine wannabe. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the asteroid prison or whatever was at the beginning, that was awesome. And then the shot, I think it was of Jetta, where you had all the cool space dust and smoke and shit in front of it. That was a cool shot. Jetta was awesome. I, I love seeing Jetta with the uh, – and even though we saw it in the trailer with the uh, the Jedi statue, the big the, – the, the giant statue that had been toppled over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then it, I thought it was cool when, uh, when, uh, Krennic was, t- was talking again with Galen Erso about how Jedha had been destroyed. And he's saying, you know, you know, that Jedi planet has been destroyed. The last of the Jedi has been destroyed. And he's talking about all these things and basically saying it's all over. There's no hope left. And I thought that was a cool scene. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's a great point about the planets. Episode seven barely even cared if you knew what planet they were on. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Rogue One really took the time to uh, inform you about your locations and where you were at. Right. They did a great job with that. Yeah. And each place meant a big deal, too. Yeah. 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 I thought the, um, I, the on the AT-AT walker front, I thought they kind of got a little bit Death trooper too. Like I was expecting a lot more with the uh, ATAT walkers than we uh, ultimately got. Well, okay, le- okay. Let me say this: that on Scarif, I one hundred percent agree with you. One hundred percent agree. Now, when we were looking at the ATSTs on Jetta, they were fucking kicking way more ass than the actual yes. stormtroopers. But I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, they were like they were destroying Saw Gerrera's men. Like those ATST that well, the one ATST that we saw was kicking the shit out of Saw Gerrera's guys. But like once we finally got to, um, you know, Scarif, Scarif. yeah, dude, like like we had the the one like the the monkey looking alien that was was it Bastan? I can't remember, but he was yeah, like I can't remember his name either. shooting that laser and just taking out the legs like it was nothing. And uh, yeah, it, it was silly. I really expected a lot more. I mean, they were on the cups that they were giving us and so much promotional material. Jake, my question to you is why did they even have ATACTs on that planet? Those all terrain cargo vehicles. What cargo were they carrying? On Scarif. On Scarif. Because, like, I felt like on – I thought that Scarif was going to be the planet where they were mining for the kyber crystals originally. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I thought that they were going to be mining for for kyber crystals on that planet. We find out in the film that they're actually mining the kyber crystals out of the temple of Jeddah. Yeah, you're you're right. So we don't even know. 
was it was Scarif just another place where they're reminding them? One of the things that I've been reading on Reddit is they were they were actually uh, taking data off of the planet, but <sighs> it didn't make sense to me though, Jake. Yeah, that's really weird. I, uh, what kind of data are they taking? Because it looked like all the data was still like in those fucking uh, those tapes, those. Uh, those cartridges that Jin was actually taking at, it looked like the, all the data was still there. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, that is super weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed by their usage and their impact in the movie whatsoever. Yeah. The ATAT. What are they? AT ATACTs. Yeah, it was the uh, the cargo versions of the uh, of the uh, ATATs. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they were kind of a letdown. <laughs> yeah, they're just transporting a bunch of bullshit because I don't understand. What they're doing. <laughs> just another reason you gave it a high taste, it Frank. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at too. I high tasted it too. Um, what did you guys think about? Like, uh, you know, like we always kind of like speculated, like once we got the Scarif, that like all these characters were going to were going to die. Uh, how did it, how did it feel like to see them die? Was it, was it as gritty as you thought it was going to be? Or do you think that they, I don't know. For me, I thought it was going to be a little more bloody, uh, from like what Gareth Edwards was talking about, like how this was. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was going to be darker and grittier too, but, but I'm, I thought that, but I, I'm fine with the final product. I thought the final product was moving and well done. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. Like, like when Baze Malbus is taking out the Death Troopers, I'm like, yes, oh, this is awesome. And then I thought to myself, after the movie ended, and Grand Moff Tarkin ordered that the whole planet be destroyed, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> it didn't really matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like everybody. Fuck anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like everybody's gonna die anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was cool in the moment, though. Yeah, it was cool in the moment. It was cool. Don't let that take it away from you. Right. What did you guys think about the whole? Uh, we've got the we basically like we've got the chain of events uh, that they have to in order to get the Death Star plans um, to the rebellion. Uh, a lot of different things had to happen. Uh, we had to. Oh man, it was yeah. really convoluted. Yeah, very convoluted. I liked it though. I did like that because it made it feel like very desperate, and the fact that they were actually able to pull it off, yeah, was more satisfying. Bodhi Rook had a lot to do in this. Like Bodhi Rook, like, and they wouldn't listen to him for the longest time. Um, uh, you know, he was trying to tell them about the master switch, and they were just basically like shushing him. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but uh what did you guys think about the whole scene with the master switch where um uh it was Chirrut Imwe and he's like I am one with the force and the force is with me as he's walking and he's got people shooting at him and he makes his way to the master switch. Did you think that that was a was a fitting death for that character? Did you like that scene? I I I thought it was great. I thought it was a fitting death for that character. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. It, it, it poses a lot of questions too. Just like, you know, the idea of whether or not this guy was force sensitive or not. There's a lot of evidence both for and against, I think, in his death scene, which is kind of fun to have that kind of open ended kind of ending to it all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how he was he was his faith in the force was just 
there all the way up until the end and everything was how the force willed it and the force willed that he was able to do that to make all that happen. Yeah. I loved how at the end, like <laughs> Baze Malbus after he kills the death troopers or, or was it before he killed the death? When he's looking at, when he's looking at Chirrut and he's saying, you know, like I, I am one with the force now. And he, and he's saying that the Chirith on his, you know, when he, as Chirith's dying, I would, I think I I think that that it he saw what Chirrut had done, and I think it restored his faith in the Force. Um, yeah, I, that was one of the most powerful moments of the whole movie. Yeah, and then when, yeah. when after he killed all the Death Troopers, and at, right before he dies, he like he looks at Chirrut, and I kept thinking to myself on the second viewing when he's looking at Chirrut, he's saying to himself, "I'll see you again, my friend." Like, mm-hmm. like, like he became one with the force again and that, you know, like we all know that force ghosts are a thing now. And I kept thinking to myself, like in the afterlife of the force, like he's going to see Chirrut Imway again. That, that's what I wanted to think. I don't know if that's canon or what happened, but I kind of, that, that's what made me have kind of like peace with that scene was like, he was looking at his friend and he kind of. He kind of, it looked like he kind of acknowledged that he was going to die, but he, but there was something after this that he could look forward yeah. to. Yeah, they got a good goodbye. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it was a great, great scene. Yeah. I definitely accept that as good headcanon. What headcanon? People, the stuff that people want to believe just because it makes sense. I believe it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I didn't know if you were making some sexual innuendo. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I was, I was confused. One as time, well. no. <laughs> this is the only time that Frank <laughs> did not make a sexual innuendo. I was so. like, I did not get that sex joke. <laughs> it was that one. That's why. <laughs> All right, guys. So, like, we got that amazing. I think it was amazing. I don't think we got enough of it. I wanted more, but the X-Wing battle, like when we got the point of view shots, I loved it. Oh, I love that stuff too. That stuff was amazing. I thought it was fantastic. I I wanted more of it, but uh, what we did get, I did enjoy. Um, I I loved it when they they took out the – they disabled that Star Destroyer. And oh, that was fucking awesome! Yeah. Then we got the scene where uh, that blue Moncal, uh, it's Admiral Radis. Admiral Radis says, "Bring in the Hammerhead Corvette." And for those <laughs> of you that are fans of uh, Star Wars Rebels, you all you remember the first appearance that we got of the Hammerhead Corvette was in the uh, episode of Rebels, the the Princess of Lothal, and yes. We they they introduced it. I mean, it's canon, but they introduced it into the film. And the Hammerhead Corvette, when uh, General Radis brings them in, it basically it wedges itself into the Star Destroyer and starts pushing it into the other Star Destroyer. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my god, what a an, what an awesome scene! And we all saw where it was going. That like that star destroyer is going to go down, and it is going to crash into what's ever generating that force field, and it's going to bring that force field down. And I I thought that visually that the cinematography was just on point. The CG was on point. Gareth Edwards did a wonderful job of showing us the scale of the Star Destroyers, the scale of Scarif the planet, and the fact that they brought the shields down. I loved that. And that it also helped 
with uh, getting that uh, the satellite transmission uh, to the rebels. I thought that was very cool. We, yeah. we I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I just thought that this was just uh, Jake. You've already said like the third arc of this film was like your favorite part, so you had to be yeah, loving it, it, this. It was a roller coaster ride. As soon as the third act started, I was like, "All right, all right, finally!" Like, yeah, the movie is really fucking kicking up the heat now. Yeah, I really loved the uh, Blue Bond Call, the Admiral Raddus character. I thought he was fantastic, and it really felt like fucking the end of Return of the Jedi type stuff going on here in space. Like it was super exciting. Uh, like, and, yeah, and like you said, the cinematography was just out of this fucking world. Like you, I think in a previous episode you talked about Gareth Edwards like sitting in the X wings and like getting those shots, and you could really see a lot of that really cool stuff going on here. Yeah. Yeah, you really could. Frank, what did you think about all this, man? Oh, I thought it was great. The space battles. I can't really think of anything from Force Awakens, really, that rivaled this as far as, like, the space battle scene goes. We, we didn't, it's not something that I really felt like we got, and this was really satisfying to see. I think these were some of the best X-Wings ba- uh, X-Wing battles that we have seen, I'd say, since the original trilogy. I'd say since yeah. Return of yeah. the Jedi. I mean, this was... This was fantastic. And, like, they did it all without, like, a trench run. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah, they didn't have a big they didn't have a big target that they eventually had to hit. Right, right. I thought it was so. really neat and tactile how when they were trying to bust through the shield before it shut, and then there was that one that didn't make it, and you could see it explode in bits sliding across the surface. That was cool. Yeah. I kept looking for the uh, Porkins Easter egg, but I did not see that happen. Um, what I've been hearing is that there was a there was one somebody that was wearing a Porkins his helmet, but it wasn't Porkins. Okay, I'll. But I somebody's got to. I've got to. I've got to be given some proof. So I yeah, I was like keeping my eye out for it, though, thinking that we would get that. Right. Yeah, I was hoping that I was happy with Red Leader and uh Gold Leader. I, I was happy oh, with what definitely. we got. So uh let's see here. What I'm trying to think if there's any I, I'm, and there's tons of stuff that we're missing. I guess I guess we can jump to What are we missing? I, I mean, mean we haven't talked about the big final like the final Vader scene. Yeah, yet. we haven't we talked haven't. about that, but we also haven't talked about like, you know, we haven't talked about how Jenner, so Bodhi Rook, Cassian get the Death Star plans, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That whole sequence just really annoyed me, kind of, to be honest with you. Really? It would have been a little a little bit better. Yeah, just because it's – I know we're going to talk about it more later, but that's where we, we don't have the footage where yes. the uh, TIE fighter shows up when sure. he's trying to upload the data plans. Right. And I don't know, just the whole thing was like a big build up to something that I thought was going to happen. And then I was kind of let down. Like, I still really wonder, like, who was in that TIE fighter. And and I guess none of that stuff's canon anymore because it didn't even happen. But yeah, I couldn't help but on my first viewing, let it kind of poison my experience. Yeah. 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 It didn't bother me so much. I mean, yeah, the TIE fighter wasn't there, but that sequence seemed like it worked okay without it yeah i i I agree with both of you like i want to know like what happened originally but on the flip side it's like these reshoots were done for a reason and i feel like maybe this is a better film because of it yeah that could be true yeah 
I mean, I don't, I don't know. They did, they did leave a lot out. I mean, <laughs> let, let's uh, fuck. I, I, oh, I want to jump into it now. I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna hold off. Let's. <laughs> I know. I didn't. I felt bad bringing it up, but it, when you're talking about this scene, it, it's really hard for me not to because it really right. was something that rubbed me the wrong way on my first viewing. Sure. I know. I get it. Yeah. Um. Let's. Uh, Let's talk about the second Vader scene then. Let's just jump the 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 last. Excuse me, the third Vader scene, the last Vader scene. Yeah, well, yeah, this was fantastic. I mean, this was a Tupperware scene all the way. I mean, I, I loved this. What a perfect oh way to uh, <laughs> connect the two movies, Rogue One to Episode Four, than than with this fucking scene. If it wasn't for the uh, weird CG Leia at the end, this would have been cinematic perfection. Right. This was amazing to yeah. see Vader just. All out fucking fury. Mode oh on man! Fucking- when oh we, my god! When we saw wow. him, yeah, basically when you first you heard the breathing, and 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 then you see like the red glow of the lightsaber, and he lights up. You yeah! D- wow! You, you know you're gonna get something amazing here, and as he's walking down that corridor, and they're coming after him. Uh, you got the one guy. You got him blasting. He, he's he's deflecting the blasts from the blasters. And he throws the one guy up using the force, the dark side, throws him up to the ceiling. And then oh, that, as that he, was amazing. as he walks past him, he slashes, he uses his yeah. lightsaber and slashes him and kills him, uh, behind him. Yeah, and then, that was even look at him again. Just bleh. And then you've got three guys in front of him that basically pull out their blasters. He pulls the blasters out. Uh, he, he, he uses the force and, uh, those blasters go flying past him. So he, uh, they are now weaponless and he fucking yes. kills them. And I love the way they filmed the hot potato going on. All of this is going on. You went robotic there. What did, what did you say? I love the way they filmed like the hot potato going on with the data while all this is going yeah, on with Vader yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought that was just brilliant. It was really exciting. My only problem with this was when he finally did, uh, when they finally did get on that ship and they are taking the plans, um, off of the main, uh, rebellion ship was, w- I, <laughs> I kind of felt like to myself, like, if Vader can do all these other things, like, why can't he use the Force to pull this shit back? Mm. True. Or use the Force to rip that fucking data pad out of the person's hand who's running with it. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. Like, I think, I feel like there there should have been maybe a scene of, like, the cargo door open as the ship is flying away and somebody, like, blasts him. Uh, catches him off guard to where he can't use the force to pull them back. I felt like if he can do all these other things, I mean, I've seen Yoda, you know, uh, on Dagobah, you know, uh, lift a X-Wing out of the swamp. Like, why can't Anakin, who's uh, supposedly got the, the highest midichlorian count ever, uh, why, <laughs> why can't he basically just like pull this, this ship back? He's just watching it fly off, and I felt like I, I in order to to propel the story, of course they've got to they've got to they've got to get the plans to Leia. Um, yeah, I but they wrote themselves like I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like they they wrote it so close to the beat there that it does kind of make it look kind of chumpy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can. I, I don't. I don't know. It just felt like it felt like there could have been a scene of like Vader, you know, trying to trying to pull like the the ship back, and maybe like they could have like sent him like a blast or something like that. I don't know to catch him off guard or something. But you know, overall, or there, I, there could have been an explosion or like an ex- a ship yes. hit the hole or something. Right? Yeah. But overall, it worked for me. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I, I'm guess I'm being just kind of like a little nitpicky here. But overall, it 100% worked for me, and it was a fist-pumping moment. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. It was yeah. the most intense Vader in this costume we've ever seen, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was It was pretty amazing. Oh, my God. So uh, let's see here. Um, I, You know what? Let's jump into it. I, we can uh, – if there's anything we missed – uh, that you can think of, and there's tons of stuff that we missed. I, I'm sure. Uh, we'll, but be, we'll be talking about Rogue One for weeks to come. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if there's things we missed, bring them up as I'm talking. And uh, I just want to spark some discussion here. I, I wanted to kind of talk to you about some of the things, uh, the missing trailer footage that uh, we saw in the first trailer that we did not get in the film that did not make it. I, I think this is something that's important that we need to talk about. Um, there was a lot of things because there were some extensive reshoots and rewrites for the film and a lot of things from the first Rogue One teaser trailer that did not make it into the film. And I think we need to talk about those things. Yeah, I agree. So let's see here. Let me start off. Uh, where do we start off here? Uh, of course, we, t- we did talk about the Death Troopers. We talked about them uh, burning, you know, Galen Erso's home and things like that. We did not see that. We also did not see, like, you know, the shots from Entertainment Weekly with the Death Trooper, you know, picking up the uh, Stormtrooper doll. So apparently Jen so she drops that when she's a child. We did not get to see any of that. We also did not get to see uh, Jin's first entrance when she uh, went into the Rebel base on Yavin 4. Uh, where that whole scene from the trailer where uh, Mon Mothma and them are talking to her and we hear, state your name for the record, Jen Erso. And then we hear forgery of imperial documents, aggravated assault, possession of stolen property, aggravated assault, resisting arrest. Mon Mothma says, on your own, since the age of 15, reckless, aggressive, and undisciplined. General Draven says, are you reliable without the shackles? Yes, sir, says Jin. And then we we got none of that, and we didn't get the I rebel line. We got none of that, absolutely none right. of that in this. Yeah, it, it's super weird because, like, I've read a lot of stuff where they said they did the reshoots to make Jen a more sympathetic character. Yes. And it's like, all right, I get it if that's what you want to do, but it's like you've already shown – that that dialogue and that character development in the trailer, right? Like it, it's it's I feel like at that point you have to like you've already gone too far, you know. You can, it still feels like that's part of her character, right? Yeah. Doesn't that still feel like canon? Like yes. Those charges that she has. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they so, just they just basically they 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 actually took her from going to uh, an imperial prison camp on Wobani. It feels like that should still be part of the canons. That should be a discussion that they're having. Yeah. 
If anything, yeah. all they did was weaken her, really. They didn't really make her more sympathetic. And it sounds like stuff that she would have done under Saw Gerrera, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very it's very bizarre. Like, yeah. The, the reason for these reshoots is, is very bizarre. We also did not get any of the dialogue that we saw in that first original trailer from Saw Gerrera when he says, What will you do when they catch you? What will you do when they break you? <laughs> if you continue to fight... What will you become? We got none of that, man. <laughs> Damn, and you, and you, you obviously love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, with, with a guy with emphysema like that, you can't expect him to have so many lines. <laughs> That's true. But, I mean, we we got none of that, man. Like, um, I, I feel like they, 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 they cut down... They just chopped away at a lot of what uh, what we would have gotten from Saw Gerrera, a, a lot of Jenner or so. A, a lot yeah, of those was, characters, they, they was, cut was down. Was Saul in the movie for more than five minutes? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, we saw a little bit of him from, you know, uh, when, when he's talking to Lyra Urso and he's saying, like, you know what you need to do. You need to get out of there and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, we sight, we see him like, you know, confront eight year old Jen and say, you know, get the fuck out of there and like, let's go, let's get out of here. And then we see him again later on in the movie, like right before he dies. Yeah, that, that's it. Just those three mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Um, what else did we get, um, uh, in this movie, in the trailers that we did not see? Uh, the oh, shot oh. of uh, Krennic wa- like walking the battlefield. Yeah, it, it looked like on Scarif. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, like with with the ATAT stuff going on and everything. Right. Uh, I thought that was a really cool shot that was in the trailer that we didn't get. You're right. We did not get that at all. Uh, there was also a behind the scenes uh, reel, uh, and it's outside on Jetta. Uh, we got Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Saw Guerrera and we, and we got Jen and in the, in the, in the shot, they are hooked up to this, this, like this rig on the set. And in the, in the actual film, uh, Jen and Saw Guerrera are actually never, they're always, they're always like inside his kind of like, uh, his base. We never see them, uh, outside on Jeddah. So right. yeah. basically, from that behind the scenes sizzle reel, there it leads uh, leads me to believe that at least that she tried to get him off planet. Like he was not about to like just go. I'm gonna stay here and finish like what I started, and just stay here on Jetta and die. Like it seems like she actually tried to get him off planet, and he ended up you know dying on that planet. She could, she was not able to save him, which makes sense. I mean, he was all sorts of fucked up. There's no way he could run. So, yeah, right. but like that never even happened. And that was like, th- there was, there were actually scenes of Jin and saw Guerrera outside of his, his camp on Jeddah that they had filmed. And that never happened. Like they were uh, every scene between those two when they first meet, they are inside his camp with inside that 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 huge mountain. That's too bad. I yeah. really would have liked to seen more of the stuff between Jin and Saul. I, right. 
I hope that's some stuff that we'll get on the uh, Blu-ray release. Yeah. But, I mean, and this is something I'm wondering, is it stuff that we're actually going to see, or is it stuff that changes the story? It changes the story, Frank. Well, There's right, tons of. Are we actually going to see it then? Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get to see these deleted scenes. I, I really don't know if we'll ever get to see them because they do change the story. Hmm. You don't think they'll be like labeled as alternate scenes? I don't think that's a that's a great question, Jake. I really don't know because like these are so alternate scenes, like really alternate scenes. And I'm going to get into some of those. Number one, like you mentioned this as well, like when Jin is on, when Jin, uh, we see her in the film before she like uploads the satellite transmission. Um, mm-hmm. and we see that, uh, that TIE fighter confront her on that platform. That's not in the film. Oh, major disappointment. I love that moment. Well, everybody thought that that was, uh, a lot of people thought that was Vader. Yeah, I thought it also possibly could have been Cassian Andor. Oh, okay, okay, kind of like uh, to get her off of the the planet. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, let's see here. What else? There's a lot of things that have to do with. We see her. She takes the that uh, that cartridge that has the Death Star plans, and she uploads it into the satellite, but. There, in the actual trailers, we actually see her in scenes with that cartridge. She's holding it as she's running. So she basically, like, she's actually uh, got those plans as as the alarm is going off. She hasn't sent the plans yet. Like, she's running. She's leaving to transfer. There's yeah. a ton of that in the trailer with her in oh. the uh, Death Death Star trooper costume running around holding the plans with yes. the alarms going off. Yeah, there's she's she's in the Imperial facility and there's a scene with Jin, Cassian, and K2SO and they arrive off of the train on uh, Scarif and the train then takes them to the landing pads um, and we see Jin, she's carrying the Death Star plans and we see her actually running on the beach of Scarif, which she never uh-huh. makes it. She doesn't make it to the, the beaches of Scarif with the Death Star, with the Death Star plans like attached to her hip. Like right. she never meet, but like here we see like in the trailer, we see a scene of her like running on the beach of Scarif as AT ACTs are shooting at her and Cassian on the beach and she's got them on her side. We never see that. She's already uploaded those plans in the satellite and that's been totally cut from the film. Yeah. Which is too bad. Do you think that they were trying to have it set up at one point to where she actually was going to make it off the planet? We'll never know. I, I I think that she, I I think honestly, I think that all of them were going to die. I do. Uh Hmm. Because right. I, I feel like this was actually going to be a grittier film than what we saw. I feel like the deaths that originally were filmed before the reshoots were probably grittier than what we saw. Like, we saw her and Cassian die in an explosion. Like, maybe in the original cut, like, they were actually taken out by a blast or something like that. And we saw them die like that before they mm-hmm. embraced. Um, same, th- same thing goes with other characters. Like, 
you know, like we did see kind of like a gritty death, I guess, with with um, Chirrut Imwi, but I feel like a lot of the deaths that we saw in this, like Bodhi Rook, we, his death happened like kind of like off screen, like we knew that the bomb went off. Mm-hmm. With the grenade went off in that room, but like we saw, Chirrut Imwe saw that explosion go go off, and we kind of saw his his death happen off screen. Like the deaths weren't as gritty for these rebels as I thought they could have been. Yeah, right. yeah. It wasn't like right. what poor Sods got from Vader. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of these deaths, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have a. Do you have a huge problem with that? Do we need to see Jin get shot in the fucking face? I mean, <laughs> no, no, I was okay with it. I, I was fine with it. Yeah. Did you, you guys should, notice but... when the uh, Death Star actually fired, the blast actually went through the uh, um, where the satellite was at, where Krennic was, as if to say one final fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it blew that up on its way to hitting the planet. No, that is funny. I did not notice that. Yeah. That's a good call. What's weird to me is that, like, they were still showing scenes in TV spots of Jin running with the Death Star plans on the beaches of Scarif. Um, yeah, it's a great shot. Why not yeah. use it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Why, not use it? Why not use it to pe- get people to come see a movie and then completely just uh, yank it away from them? Well, I mean, they did use it. They just didn't. It wasn't theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a what a fucking bullshit move. Do you think um do you think it came down to length? Do you think Gareth Edwards filmed too much and they were like, listen, you can't have a two hour and fifty minute Star Wars movie. You gotta tighten this shit up. I uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I What the fuck happened? Why why did they have so much footage? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I don't know why they why they didn't use, like, there was a lot of scenes on Scarif that they didn't use. A lot of scenes. Yeah, they had their good shots. It, it, make, it makes no sense. I was like, hey, we don't want to use that shot that we did think was good enough to use in all these TV spots and, and movie trailers. Well, these TV spots, like, some of them were just, like, released, like, two weeks before the film came out. So, yeah. Like, what the F? And, 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 we saw scenes in TV spots that they didn't actually use in the actual film. It was fucked up. It was, it was <laughs> trying to draw a direct comparison, but it actually, I mean, just in that aspect kind of reminds me of Suicide Squad, how there was shit that you see in the spots that yeah. didn't end up in the film. Oh, do not tell me that we're going to get a fucking Rogue One extended cut, Frank. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. <laughs> but it changes the story so much, man. It's yeah. weird. It's weird for a Star Wars film. Yeah, I could see it coming. I really could here. That's uh, a lot of shit to leave out. Yeah. It's a, it's a completely different story if you're thinking about it that way. Like the like the original cut of this film um is a completely different story. Like why did they yeah. leave that out then, Jake? Because like this is a big deal. Like if you watch those TV spots, if you go back and watch those TV spots and you see her running on Scarif with the Death Star plans at her hip. <laughs> okay, yeah. you see that in the TV spots. Like, why did they leave that out? Like, did they show this to an audience before the movie came out? And did it not get well received? And they were like, okay, let's do these reshoots. 
and change these things, did we get to see a better version theatrically than we actually would have seen had we have seen the way that Gareth Edwards had this done? Or was it was it too – I'd like to hope so. Yeah. I'd like to hope so. I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt and think they fixed things for the better. But on the other hand, those scenes looked really cool. Yeah, they did. No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. Like there's the scene of uh, when they're on Scarif and we've got like at least – I think at least four or five ATACTs, and they are stomping their way through and blasting different uh, you know, rebellion fighters that are on the ground – which I loved that they I did love that they addressed that like they got more troops on the grounds so they had the U mm-hmm. they had the Ewings land and dropped more troops on the ground and I will tell you that dude the Y wings looked dope as fuck oh yeah, yeah they did the yeah, they Y did. wings looked awesome like I liked seeing the Ewings but the Y wings were fucking amazing in this movie but the Ewings they dropped more ground forces which I thought was cool so we got mm-hmm. some more ground forces. And, um, so they kept that in the film because of course, like we saw those guys getting fucked up and, and fucking up some of the ground forces as well for the, the, some of the stormtroopers. But like, I thought that was a great shot. We got like four or five ATACTs shooting at Jen, shooting at Cassian as they're mm-hmm. running and she's got the Death Star plans. And like, you gotta imagine like that scene costs like hundreds of thousands of dollars. To make. Oh, yeah. And they leave this that movie, out, dude. This movie probably did not need to cost $200 million. Like, I wonder how much of that money was needlessly spent on stuff that wasn't even used. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, basically, like, you guys, would you want to see the original cut of this film and how it played out? I, I would. Yeah, I, would. I, I mean, why not? I very much would. Yeah. So, had, had I a Tupperware of this movie, I'd have said no. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just said no. This this is this is perfect. But but uh, you know I didn't. I so I like, I can't I can't honestly say that you're gonna Tupperware it after a second viewing, Jake. I mean, a lot of these problems that you've got are problems that I've got too, and they didn't change after a second viewing for me. Really, the yeah. only thing that changed after a second viewing was the plot made more sense, and some of the stuff like. Like like what Brian said, when uh, Tarkin's on screen, you can watch it and force yourself to listen to what he's got to say, and it doesn't shock you as much as when it did seeing it the first time. Yeah, but the stuff I like, I may like more not being as distracted by the shocking stuff I didn't like. Like, the shock is over. I know it's there. Yeah, true. So I, can, I can kind of focus a little bit more on because I, I love Star Wars and I love this universe, so maybe when I see it again, I, I can focus more on, on the positives of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. fucked up. There's a lot of stuff like, uh, there are scenes of like, uh, in the, in sizzle reels and entertainment weekly even had scenes of like Krennic on the beach running through the water. Um, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Those yeah. were really cool scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. There was a scene of like all the rebel, like, uh, the rebels. You're talking about Jin, Base Malbus. Um, I even had this as like a uh, wallpaper on my Twitter page for a while. It's 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 a picture of like Jenner, so uh, Cassian, Base Malbus, Chiridimway, K2SO. They're all running on the water in the beach, and like that never happens in the film. Yeah, I think I have that on a Kleenex box. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, it's fucked up. We never see that in the film. Um, I, me personally, I. I I, yeah, I would love to see this. 
I, I would love to see like the original cut of this film, but I don't. Oh Jesus Christ! Like, well, you well you Tupperware it, right? That's so the I thing. I did. I loved the film. I I did. I loved it upon second viewing. I loved it. I felt like so, this. Uh, Jake, the reason that I did not know what to think about this movie the first time I watched it is because mm-hmm. it is so different than any Star Wars film I've ever seen. It really is. Like I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen it. it it, this it is, is very cool. It's this very is, ambitious. It's very a neat. yeah. It's a war film set in the Star Wars universe, and it's about how the Death Star plans got to the rebellion. And I feel like I feel like they pulled that off. I feel like we watched this mission happen the way it should have happened. Like I'm glad that they didn't do some kind of like Ocean's Eleven bullshit. And yeah, I would, and I'll give him, I'll give I was worried about that, Jake. I was worried oh, I about that. I was worried, I, I was worried that this was gonna be some kind of like bullshit heist film where like, they're like, no, this was fucking war. This was yeah, fucking I give him props war. For doing it, I give him props for doing it all in one movie too. Yeah. Like it's a huge piece of meat to chew on. The how did they get these plans? Yes, and and they they ignored the dollar and they did it all in one movie. Right, and that that that's commendable too. And Grand Moff Tarkin, as much as I didn't enjoy the CGI, when he did what he had to do, he fucking yeah. he, he fucking you know he took credit for all this shit. He wanted to be in favor of the Emperor, and he fucking killed Krennic. I'll have to take your word for it. I was just staring at him. That was the one thing that, like, the dialogue that Krennic Invader had, along with what Tarkin was saying, was that Krennic's, Krennic's shit was loose. I mean, he had fucking people working for him that were slipping shit out. The pilot was under his command. Yeah. Even if not directly, he was, right. you know, his shit is what caused the leaks that caused this to happen. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. All right, guys. Uh, you know what? We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about Easter eggs uh, that are in the film, the ones that we didn't cover, the ones that Frank didn't cover when he rated the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about some of the ones I like. And uh, and then we're going to wrap up this episode. And I'm sure cool. that we're going to be talking about Rogue One for weeks to come. Jake, God damn it! I'm going to ask you this question right now before we take a break. When are you going to see this again? I'm going to go tomorrow, I think. Fantastic, dude. I, right. I, 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 I Personally, I think that you're going to stick with your rating. I do think you're going to stick with your rating. But you never know. I, we, we've talked about it enough. Maybe... Maybe I have talked enough to sway you just a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I've talked enough just to sway you a little bit, but maybe you'll watch this again. Who knows? You might even just, you might even downgrade your, you might even take it from a high taste to a taste it for all I know, Jake. Yeah. As of now, it's my least favorite Star Wars movie. Least favorite? <laughs> oh. <Yeah>. Oh no. <laughs> oh. It is. Wow. 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 I mean, I mean, I still like it. Yeah. So. Uh, I like the yeah. prequels, though. Okay, we'll I talk do. about, we'll, we're gonna give our ratings for all these films at the end of the Uh-oh. podcast, but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Rogue One.
right, guys, we are back. We're, we're gonna we're gonna uh, finish up the rest of these uh, Rogue One Easter eggs, and then read your emails, and then wrap up this episode. I, I don't know about this episode, man. I, these Skype episodes are different, man. It feels different. Yeah, it's super crazy not being in the same room with you guys. But yeah. We're, we're working through it. We'll talk more about this in person. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely will. Uh, let's see here. Some of the Easter eggs that we did not cover. Uh, on Jetta, uh, we hear uh, one merchant say, May the force of others be with you, which is the original version of May the force be with you. And, guys, this was the phrase that was used in the Dark Horse Comics adaptation of the original Star Wars script, uh, titled The Star Wars. So that was, uh, when, when George Lucas wrote the original screenplay for Star Wars, which is called The Star Wars, they, instead of the force, may the force be with you, it was may the force of others be with you. And so. Yeah, oof, good edit. What's that? What's that, Jake? That's a, that's a great edit. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, I guess it was kind of a nice, like, they were paying homage to it, but I'm glad that, like, the, like, what we got from, like, the, uh, final cut of, uh, A New Hope was May the Force Be With You, so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You're not selling as many t-shirts with the, uh, May the Force of the Others Be With You. Right, yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we also saw members of, uh, Saw Guerrera's Partisans playing Dejaric monsters. Yeah, I caught that. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, just like the holographic one that Chewbacca and C-3PO played uh, on the Millennium Falcon. So that was cool. We also saw uh, Saw Guerrero's. One of Saw Guerrero's guys was like watching like a Twilight dancer on a hologram. Mm. I don't yeah, think I caught that. that. Frank, did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it kind of looked like, like you know, like uh, it looked like dancing in uh, Jabba's palace. Yeah, like uh, it looked like uh, Hera. She's yeah. she's Twilight, and we saw like yeah. a Twilight dancer in that hologram, and I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, let's see here. We all, there's a scene. Go, what's that, Jake? I said they're always pushing that Twilight stereotype. Yeah. Oh, I know. They're all just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awful. The the only smart ones on the animated series. Right, right. Uh, There's a scene where Saw Gerrera, um, he turns around, and I I am for certain that you see an Onderon flag on his back. Now, in the Clone Wars animated series, Saw Gerrera was the leader of the Onderon rebels, and he helps lead the resistance movement to victory over the Confederacy of Independent Systems on the planet Onderon, Alongside um, Ahsoka, Anakin, and I, I'm pretty sure that you see on his back the Andron flag. And uh, I'm also pretty sure that when Han, Finn, and Rey walk into Maz's castle in The Force Awakens, that the mm-hmm. Andron flag can be seen hanging up on that wall before they oh, enter. I, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, guys. In the, uh, Battle of Scarif, uh, we saw the death of, uh, in this movie, we saw the death of Red Five, which, uh, we know is Luke Skywalker's call sign during the Battle (laughs) of Yavin. So, uh, that poor sap died so that Luke would have a spot in the squadron in, uh, episode four. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yep. Lucky guy. Uh, let's see here. What else did we? Uh, not- how many of these Easter eggs do you just fucking hate, Frank? What? Oh no, these are fine. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two that I didn't like. <laughs> Frank already brought up all the ones that he hated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw Mon Mothma and Bail, Bail Organa talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I got this Easter egg from io9. Uh, when Cassian and Jin dig through the Scarif archive looking for the plans to the Death Star's code name, Jin mentions, uh, mentions one project called the Black Saber. It might not be anything, but it could be a connection to the Dark Saber a weapon wielded by Mandalorian's characters in both Clone Wars and Rebels. The Darksaber was an ancient lightsaber stolen by stolen by Clan Vizsla and passed down through generations of warriors. Could the Empire be trying to make some of their own as a reappropriation of lightsabers in the wake of Jedi Purge? So, yeah, dark dark sabers, black sabers. That's interesting. I wonder if that'll pay out at all ever. Yeah, I don't know if it's just maybe an Easter egg for, you know, us fans that, you know, watched uh, Rebels and the Clone Wars. Uh, this is also from io9. While R2 and 3PO are the big cameos, there's the return of a few classic background droids in Rogue One as well. A gonk droid idles by in the background as Jin is escorted through the Rebels' base on Yavin 4, being rescued while mouse droids squeal their way around the legions of stormtroopers on Scarif. Yeah, I saw the, the uh, mouse droid. Uh, keep yeah, your, I caught the mouse droid, too. I did as well, yeah. Keep your eyes peeled on Jetta before Saw's insurgents attack the Imperial's convoy, too. There's a probe droid from the Empire Strikes Back floating around amongst the busy crowd. Oh, neat. I <laughs> didn't catch that. Also, there was uh, quite a few Rebels Easter eggs that I wanted to yeah, talk a ton, about. Yeah, a ton of them. A ton of them. Uh, here we go. Uh, Hera, the pilot of the Ghost from Rebels. Uh, during the Battle of Scarif, a Rebel communications officer intercepts a signal about the battle and runs out to tell Mon Mothma. As he tells her, on the left side of the frame, the Rebels droid Chopper can be seen rolling along. Oh, yeah. no way. Yes, yeah, I, that was awesome. I've got a picture of that. I'm going to throw that up on our Facebook page after this episode has been released. So you can see Chopper cool. in that. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, you can also hear after they're talking about uh, not – you hear the the group of, of the people that are part of the rebellion talking about how they're not going to do anything about what's going on in Scarif. You hear over the like the loud intercom. You hear General Sindula report to the briefing room. Yeah, so yeah, I did hear that. So that is basically it's either Hera, which I'm thinking it is Hera Sindula. I think it's a I think it's Gareth Edwards giving a nod to Hera, but it it also could be her father Cham, but I doubt it because we did see the ghost later on in in Rogue One because you see. You see the ghost, the ship from Rebels, outside the base of Yavin 4 when uh, Jin and Cassian are about to go to Jeddah. And then there's a shot outside of the base, and the ghost is seen on the left side of the frame. And then later on in Rogue One, you see 
the ghost is like it's one of the ships that go into battle over Scarif and then you see it in a bunch of other scenes too. So you see yeah, the ghost I'm quite a bit. I'm pretty sure it's Hera. It's not yeah. Sham. Yeah. And then we talked about the last Rebels um, Easter egg that I noticed was the the Hammerhead Corvette when it uh, smashes into the Star Destroyer and then rams it into the other Star Destroyer. And so I thought that was really fucking cool. Yeah, that was awesome. One more, I guess maybe this is a Rebels like Easter egg. Yeah. But we actually heard someone yell uh, the Carabast on the uh, beach of Scarif scene. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's when, when Poe sees the ATACT or whatever the fuck it is. The ATACT. ATACT approaching the beach. He, he yells Carabast. Oh, I didn't hear is, that. Which is, you know, Zeb's curse word. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Oh, Jesus. I didn't hear that. All right, let's uh, move on into uh, some emails for Star Wars. Uh, the first one comes from our listener, Tasuj. Hello, Leftovers. Just saw Rogue One. High taste it. When it's great, it's great. But as someone who isn't the biggest Star Wars fan, I felt that it dragged on a little. Donnie Yen was amazing. And out of all the characters, I feel as though it's a shame that we won't be able to see him on screen again. His initial fight scene may be one of the best in all of Star Wars. You know, I first started listening to you guys a year ago after I saw The Force Awakens and was looking for a podcast who already had an episode about it up. It's funny looking back at that because of the things like me thinking that Dan West was a regular member of the podcast at the time. <laughs> I didn't expect to listen to more than that episode, but here I am a year later. Keep up the great work. I also want to throw it out there that uh, Tasuj only gave us a four-star rating on iTunes. So, yeah, uh, thanks for sticking with us a whole year, and thanks for not giving us that fifth star. So fuck you. <laughs> it sounds like he blames Dan West for thinking he may not listen to us for a whole year, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I also want to point out that he only gave me four stars for my Westworld podcast. So thank you again, Tasuj. You are, if anything, you're the four star madman. Exactly. If anything, you're dependable. Um, he also gave us a second email, which I'm going to read now, uh, because I am a stand up guy, even though we are a four star podcast in his eyes. Uh, he says, I apologize for the second email. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on the use of computer generated characters to recreate dead characters, as was done with Peter Cushing. For so much of this movie, I thought that the computer-generated acting was some of the best that I had ever seen for Tarkin and Leia, but it made me wonder about the future of this technology. Do you think that we will see a trend of dead or uh, dead actors in the future? Might we see a young Daniel Radcliffe in some flash-forward at the end of the Fantastic Beasts movies? Might we see Christopher Reeves again as Superman? Sorry about, sorry again about the second email and sorry again about only giving you four star ratings on iTunes. <laughs> I am a fucking asshole to Suge. <laughs> so. Well, um, I hope not. I really, I really do. Like, I understand doing it when like there's a point to it, but like with like Superman, like I'd rather just try to find another Superman. Right. 
Right, like, I agree I don't, that. Yeah, I, I don't think that's cool having a CG Christopher Reeve as a Superman. Yeah. Like, I, I don't need to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially on that point in particular, I think you're going to see a lot more of this kind of thing. Like, you saw it uh, to a certain extent in Fast 7, what they did with, like, Paul Walker and shit, and now you've got this. And Well, Paul Walker, they used his brother. Yeah. Uh, they did They did the little face-over thing to finish up scenes he didn't quite get done. Yeah, they did CG on it, too, Brian. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. It, they, and they've even got a name for it. They call it photoreal, I think, uh, for this kind of technology. It's something they're trying to push, and I really wish that they wouldn't. I mean, the voice acting part of Tarkin was fine, but, I mean, as we've already gone over, like, just his appearance just wrenches you right out of the film. It's just, it, it's hard to swallow right now. Yeah, the voice was good. It's the same guy that does his voice on Rebels and Clone Wars before that. He's great at the voice, for sure. All right, next email comes from uh, listener John Pender, and John says, Hey, guys, having seen Rogue One in IMAX 3D, I'd really like to know what you guys thought of the digital reconstructions of Tarkin <laughs> and Leia's faces. Um, I think he's already heard that. Yeah, we, we did not like it very much. So, Leia was brought- okay. Brian thought it was commend- a commendable effort. No, I, 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 I appreciate that they tried. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You thought right. it was a commendable effort. Yeah. I mean, and I don't blame you for that. Right. Like, like yeah, they, they went for the fences, and, you know, I guess I commend them for that, too. But Right. When somebody comes in last place, you don't knock them for coming in last. They at least tried, too. Yeah. He goes on to say, I saw the film in regular old 2D, and I gotta say, as much as I flat out Tupperware, this slow burn, glorious Finnish movie, there was some severe uncanny valleyitis going on in my brain where, when watching those scenes, also looked quite fuzzy slash different resolution in comparison to the rest of the scene. Uh, however, some friends saw it in IMAX 3D and thought the complete opposite, even stating the faces looked flawless. Jake, I, I watched it in both IMAX 3D and 2D, and I felt like it looked b- better in 2D. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's one of those things where I feel like you could see more of the flaws in 3D IMAX than you could in actual 2D. Yeah, I feel like that's true because they're doing a 3D rendering and so you're gonna you're gonna see that stuff more than you would with a regular actor, right? Right. Where you're just getting like a post conversion. Now I'm talking about that kind of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Pender goes on to say, "I know I've seen some movie effects in the past that look kind of ropey uh, when seen on the big screen, but looked infinitely but looked infinitely better once picked up on Blu-ray. Maybe this will end up being the case." Uh, I don't know about that. I got a funny feeling, if anything, it's going to be worse because the image is going to be sharper, which is just going to make it stand out that much more. He goes on to say, would love to hear if you guys experienced similar or thought Disney nailed the reconstructions. Uh, regardless, still nowhere near as jarring as Clue from Tron Legacy. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, let's see here. Um... I I feel like Tron Legacy 
Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that was one of the first movies that tried to do, like, one of these de-agings, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was pretty jarring. Yeah. When yeah. did that come out? Was that 2012 or 13? No, way earlier than that. Really? Yes. Tron Legacy probably came out. That came out in, like, 2000. Jake, was that, like, 2010? 2011? I'm, I'm looking it up. Yeah, please. As you're looking that up, about 2010. 2010, yeah. So it was it was one of the first times that was done. I think it was. I think also. I think that was commendable too. <laughs> you're, such a ni- you're such a nice guy when it comes to these brand new CG effects. <laughs> that, was, that was before uh, the uh, Tupac hologram. Then, because wasn't that in 2012? Yeah, yeah, that was before the Tupac hologram. Um, yeah, I mean the Tupac hologram was actual video footage of Tupac, yeah, though, yeah. not like a recreation of his body. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Here's 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 Tupac when he's 37 years old. No, it was it wasn't like that. It, this was like uh, they I don't know, man. They they like they de-aged that character and. I thought it was, I thought it was commendable, man. Like I I don't know. I yeah, th- I thought it was too. I remember thinking it was neat when yeah. in 2010 when that first came out. Yeah, like I, I honestly I think the movie that's done it the best, and I know this sounds crazy, was Terminator Salvation when they brought back Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I almost forgive the Tron thing too because the whole premise of the movie is that he's a fucking like computer program. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it kind of gives you a plot out to have bad CG. That's true. That's true. Uh, John Pender uh, says, I don't have to read this part, but I am going to. He says, uh, let's see here. Would just like to say I've been a listener since the Captain America Civil War episode and absolutely love the podcast. The diversity of opinions between you, Jake, and Frank and the inevitably hilarity that it all, that usually ensues is always a top drawer listen. So damn glad I found you guys. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I'm happy to say that Pop Culture Leftovers has become my number one must listen to now podcast above the Kevin Smiths, Nerdists, and Mark Marins of the podcast world. Change nothing. Wishing you guys the absolute best of Tupperware parties over the festive period. John Pender. Bet this little wow. bitch gave us five stars. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Holy- that is awesome. This, I mean, this guy is obviously incredible, incredibly stupid, but that is, that is awesome. <laughs> 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 Hold on. Jake, 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 Jake. Can I say this? Like I, yeah. I I totally agree with this guy as far as maybe I don't know I don't know like hold on like I watched today literally I watched today the new Kevin Smith film it's been released on Netflix now oh um, I saw that I was gonna watch it the other night but I watched yoga the new hosers Open yoga hosers this is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> like. He tries, he tries so desperately in this film to make it a little bit like Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And it fails on all levels, man. It is so <laughs> bad. This is like, 
This is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. But like as far as like podcasting goes, Kevin yeah. Smith and the Nerdist and Mark Marin, they've got us fucking beat, right? I mean, come Yo, on. Yeah, holy crap. <laughs> I I appreciate the compliment, but jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's nobody – like, like, yeah, they, they got us beat there. Hey, Finn Dietrich sends us an email. He says, Rogue One was a balls-to-the-walls Tupperware. I had to rank the Star Wars films, I'd say, five, four, seven, six. Uh, what does he say? Rogue One, then three, one, and two. So that's his rating. So he's saying Empire, New Hope, The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, and then Attack of the Clones. That's his order. I'm going to see Rogue One at least two more times this coming week. So it might change, but this is my current ranking. What's yours? That comes from Finn Deeds Creek, and he says, hashtag Team J, because that's what he always says. So, anyway. The world's most throwable listener, right? Exactly. So, Finn Deeds Creek, he, go, he goes Empire, A New Hope, Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, and then Attack of the Clones. He wants to know what our rankings are as of right now. Like, this doesn't ha- have to be definitive because I know, Jake, you're going to watch this again. It might change for you. You've already kind of told us this is like, is this your least favorite Star Wars movie of all time? Yes. <laughs> really? Oh wow. Interesting. All right. So so what, what I guess if you want to give us your rankings if you have those um I got it. Okay, go for it. Yeah, all right. And this and my rankings are always a little bit fluid, all right? About the only constant is the number 1. Yes, Empire. And the, the number 1 is Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely. Uh, um right now my number 2 <laughs> is The Force Awakens. Interesting. Okay. I got to say I, I I love it. I still pull it out and watch it about not every week but probably about every other week i just click on it on my apple tv and watch it yeah so um my number three is a new hope my number four is return of the jedi my number five is the phantom menace my number six is revenge of the sith my number seven is attack of the clones and my number eight is rogue one wow all right wow under fuck under under Attack of the Clones, Jesus Christ, I'm shocked. Frank, talk to me. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm fucking shocked. <laughs> I just watched Attack of the Clones again on TNT, so. Uh, Alright, I'm gonna go, uh, five is number one, six, seven, then four, uh, whew. Return of the Jedi is over A New Hope? Yeah, for me it is. Jesus Christ, you guys are fucking out of your goddamn minds. No, no, no. I, no. Did, I didn't put Return of the Jedi over I know, but I still think you're out of your goddamn mind fucking putting, a t- putting Attack of the Clones above Rogue One. <laughs> Don't worry, because I'm not gonna. Uh, Alright, so... Five, six, seven, four. I'm gonna say... Episode three, then Rogue One, then Phantom, then Clones. All right, Jesus. All right, here we <laughs> go. I don't know, man. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, Empire is number one. Number two is A New Hope. Number three is Return of the Jedi. 
Number four is The Force Awakens. Number five is Rogue One, the movie that we just watched this past weekend. Um, and then I'm going to say that number six is Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace, I'm bumping it up. Phantom Menace yeah. is number six. Uh, number seven is going to be Revenge of the Sith. And then my least favorite is Attack of the Clones. So the prequels are still at the bottom. Rogue One is just like right above them. So, you know, as much as I love The Force Awakens, it's hard to take it. Even It's hard to take it even above Return of the Jedi for me because it just those I've spent so long with those original films that it and I, I've loved them all. It's hard to put it above those. But yeah, that's why, like I, I said, disclaimer that my list is fluid, like maybe yeah. in it. In a year. Right. I, I feel like the original trilogy is always going to be like that fucking, like, holding that ball underwater. Right. It's always going to float back to the top eventually. Yeah, there's something there's something about, even in Return of the Jedi, there's something about when Luke, when, when Luke confronts Jabba the Hutt. Like, oh, God, fuck yeah. There, oh, yeah. There's, there's something about that that, like, I cannot, anything in The Force Awakens that happens... As of right now, like the Force Awakens could move up in the ranking, but mm-hmm. I have to I have to see where Episode Eight goes. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense to me. That yeah. makes sense to me. For as much as the like the fact that I'm still watching it so much, though, just that's what makes me put it number two for now. As an adult, as an adult, like I, I find faults in the Ewoks, but as a child, I love the Ewoks, Jake. I loved the Ewoks. Oh, oh me too. Me too. I still do. There's a part of I me that still, still, I mean, I can, I can piss and moan about the Ewoks as an adult and, and, and all yeah, these I things. I find that, I find the humor in the whole, like, they took down all these fucking stormtroopers and shit. Like, I, that's just classic Star Wars yes. humor we've had our whole lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, teddy bears took down <laughs> the stormtroopers. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I, I loved the Ewoks. That was a, I mean, had I been maybe, uh, a bitter and jaded cynical teenager when that came out, I would have hated it way more. But like when that movie came out, I was five years old. So I loved the Ewoks. I thought they were fun. And so I, I, I th- honestly like going back now and watching it, it's silly as fuck. And I can say yeah. that about a lot of movies. Like I can watch Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and as an adult, I think it's a stupid fucking movie, but the nostalgia factor for me is so high that I still love it, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. I do like Rogue One better than Battle for Endor. Okay. If you... <laughs> yes. If somebody can recommend me a good Star Wars porn parody, that might come in my list higher than Clone Wars. Uh, <laughs> Clone Wars is not a movie. Attack the Clones. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Too much whiskey. Guys, uh, Scott Shooty sends us an email. I think this is the final email. Old yeah. Man Shooty. Old Man Shooty. Old Man Shooty. He says, uh, what's up, bitches? He says, just finished. Whoa. Well, that's, that's, his, a- that's his catchphrase. That's kind of like what he does. That's his thing. What's up, bitches? You don't know me. <laughs> Get off our yard. <laughs> he says, just finished watching Rogue One, and I have to admit that I was blown away. I knew that it was going to be a good movie, but I didn't expect that it would be that good. Yes, 
Rogue One is Star Wars, but it also works extremely well as a standalone action-adventure movie. Hold on. I'm going to stop him right there. I'm going to stop him right there, and I'm going to present that question to you. Is Does Rogue One – I'm going to finish the rest of his email. Does Rogue One work as a standalone action-adventure movie by itself? Had, had you not seen any of the other Star Wars movies – does this movie work? I would have to see it again to answer that question. That's too hard. I, I'm so, like, mired in this lore that it, it's hard to see from outside that box, like, if you could follow, like, everything that was happening here. Okay. The first two acts are, are kind of weak. I mean, they really are. The third act on is great. I, I don't know that I would have as much love for it is what I would if it didn't have anything to do with Star Wars, though. I do not think that this works as a standalone movie. I feel like if you have not seen episodes one, two, and three, and episode four, you're not going to get the gist of this film. I'll tell, you one, I'll tell you. Oh, sorry. I'll tell you one thing that works better in this as a standalone film. What's that? Uh, Moff Tarkin. <laughs> <laughs> well, no shit. That goes without saying, man. So there you go. I don't know, man. I feel like this is way too interconnected. To um, I, I feel like this is way too interconnected, especially to Episode Four, New Hope. Um, and yeah, the whole the whole ending really relies on you knowing that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like uh I feel like uh epis- I feel like episodes 1, 2 and 3 e- even though they're not as much connected to it, I feel like they are in, in, in kind of like uh drilling home the fact that you get to see Darth Vader in this film, you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I guess episode four. I feel like you have to see episode four before you understand this fucking episode. I really do. I have a question for you, Brian. Yeah. Let's say you're going to watch all the Star Wars movies in a marathon. What order are you doing that now? Ooh. Huh. That's a, that's a great question. I I still feel that you should go. I still feel that you should go. I feel like, as of right now, I feel like you should go four, five, six, and then Rogue One. Yeah. It's, it is fun to watch Rogue One right before A New Hope, but it feels weird as that being your first movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, if you were starting somebody fresh, there's no way you could start them off with Rogue One. That, yeah. that, that completely destroys anything that really Rogue One has to offer. Right. I, yeah, more, more so than the prequels though, like, as a big Star Wars fan, Rogue One does kind of like make me want to watch it before I watch A New Hope. Like, it doesn't ruin things like the prequels do. Yeah, but I watch them first. But for like for new viewer though, I, I think you should start off with Episode Four because like it's going to mean nothing for you to see like Panda Baba. It's going to mean nothing for you to see, like, C-3PO and R2-D2. I, I, I can't imagine anybody not knowing who those characters are, though, even if you haven't seen those films. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. Yeah, I don't know. 
So, yeah, Scott Schutte, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, he's saying he feels like it works as a standalone action-adventure movie. I feel like it works as, like, a war film. But yeah. I, But I feel like there's too much Star Wars lore involved in this. And I feel like there's too much, like, even with as much as, like, the Force that they left out in this, I feel like there's still a lot of, like, the Force mythology that's in this with... With uh, Chirrut Imwe, and of course understanding like Darth Vader's character, it's a super ambitious movie. If it's a standalone movie, it's like the most ambitious standalone movie ever. Right, right, absolutely. Like, I don't know, I don't know. I if this was the first movie that ever came out. I feel like people would have. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't even know how to. What would people think about this if this was like the first Star Wars movie that ever came out? Wow, people, I don't pe- know. Well, yeah, okay. like so. You, when you Cherry- already have people who, I mean, your main characters aren't really even the biggest standouts of the film. There's nobody yeah, this, to love except for like your side guys. Yeah, this probably would have caused quite the stir too, especially with a female lead character in, in 1977. Sure, and then people would be asking, "What is the Force?" Yeah, yeah, right. true. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. We heard that line <laughs> over and over again. If this was the first entry into the Star Wars universe, people would be saying, "Like, what is the Force?" Like, that would be like you know as big as big as like the question that we've been asking ourselves from the force awakens is like who is ray like that would be the question for rogue one what is the force like that's what the question we'd be asking ourselves going into the next film and we wouldn't find that information out until you know a new hope so i think you'd have to get a lot more explanation too and they thereby also adding to darth vader's mythos yeah if this is going to be the first film in the series yeah yeah, it's like all of a sudden, like this guy is just like levitating people and pulling guns right. out of their hands. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, and that's the climax of the movie. Kind exactly, of. exactly. Uh, Scott says, I found the performances to be well acted and real. Something we don't always get in a Star Wars film. The effects were top notch and the creature designs were unprecedented. Plenty of Easter eggs for the fans and Vader. Holy fuck. People who complain about his lack of screen time need to get a life. His moments all added to the story, and this was not his film. This was Krennic's story and how his ambition and ego led to the, to his eventual downfall. My only gripe was the CG used for Grand Moff Tarkin looked, <laughs> looked more like something from Star Wars Rebels than what I would expect from a Disney feature film. Don't get me wrong, I love me some Grand Moff Tarkin, but it had a definite Uncanny Valley effect. I will end my thoughts with the end of the film as it contradicted my understanding of the events that led to the opening of A New Hope. NPR produced a radio drama in 1981, and in it they describe how Leia gets the plans and is eventually discovered pursued and caught by vader rogue one clearly indicates that the events in the radio drama are not canon but they are very cool 
I have included a link to the entire production in case you have not heard it before. That's it, assholes. May the force be with you. And stay the fuck out of my yard. That's from uh, Scott Schutte. Jake, um... Those are fantastic. The uh, BBC Star yes. Wars radio dramas. Yes. They do them for all three movies. Uh, yes. A and New Hope, Empire, and Return of the you Jedi. You can also get them on Audible. So... If they're any, well worth it. They're well worth it. You can uh, you can purchase them on Audible. So, yeah. Well, I f- I forget how they get them in those. It's been so long since I listened to those. Yeah, I would have to I would have to listen to them again as well. But um, he's he's basically saying that the uh, radio dramas are not canon now. Yeah, I believe it. Makes sense. Okay. So I think in, in a weird way they kind of never were anyway. Like they were just kind of this thing because they do have like extended like stuff and beats that were never in the uh, actual movies or books. Right, right. Uh, my big question to you is the uh, Star Wars holiday special. Is that still canon? Uh, I think that's in the same ballpark as the radio drama, where <laughs> it never re- it never really was. <laughs> Damn it! You're telling me that B. Arthur is not a part. <laughs> You are telling me that fucking B. Arthur is not part of Star Wars canon? No, no, no. And she never was, which is even worse, right? Ah, oh, Jesus Christ, Jake. You know what, guys? We've talked uh, about Rogue One, and I've had a great time. that That's the last yeah. of the emails. It's been I, fun. It's been fun. Jake, it's been weird with the Skype, but it's been good. Yeah, it's yeah. been weird with the Skype, but it's been good. Right, Frank? Yeah. I'm not muted, right? <laughs> I'm just making sure. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Way to set him up there, Brian. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, you know what? We're going to have plenty of more Rogue One talk. Like, I'm sure there's things that I, I wanted to talk about that I did not talk about uh, in this review. Um Star Wars movies, there's always so much. Um, to, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure we could have went through this review and broke it down scene by scene. But, like, I feel like all of our listeners that are listening to this have seen the movie. And so to break it down scene by scene kind of seems pointless. I, I, I really wanted to just bring up, like, the major things that we that we saw in the movie and how we felt about them. And uh, I, I feel like we did that. I, I feel like we, we discussed, like, you know, of course, we got to talk about Grand Moff Tarkin. I mean, for crying out loud, they brought a character back from the dead that a guy that's been dead since he's been dead for fucking, you know, 20 some years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And then they polar expressed it. They pull. <laughs> so that really I love <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the terminology that you've given it, Jake. <laughs> Any anytime CGI looks like shit, they polar expressed it. <laughs> oh man. Alright guys. Uh this is our Rogue One episode. Any final thoughts before we end this bitch? Um, no, I, I'm glad we didn't break it down scene by scene because yeah. I'm, I'm going to go see this movie again tomorrow. It'll be nice to like try to pick up on some more stuff myself and try to just like pull in the scope of the whole thing. 
I want kind of digested a bit. More. I am begging you. I am begging you. And I know, like, I am the only one that's fucking waving the flag of Bodie Rook. I want this guy. I love Bodie Rook. All right, all right. I will. I will pay special attention to Bodie Rook. This poor guy, Jake. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. It's a fucking sad story. What fucking Bodie Rook went through, man. Yeah, that's a, it's a shame. <laughs> Fuck you! Like, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. I, 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 thanks, guys, for taking the time to fucking uh, let's do this episode on fucking Skype of all fucking places. What a no, you know, like it was fun. All, all the fucking planets that they go to on fucking in these Star Wars movies. We go to Mustafar. We go to fucking Wabani. We go to the fucking the Rings of Caffrey and fucking uh, Jetta. We had to fucking do this shit on Skype. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is our fucking uh this is our rogue one planet that we fucking had to go to. Fucking Skype. Yeah. Right now it looks like Hoth. Yeah, we rebel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, exactly. I rebel. I, you know what? I feel justified in hating that fucking scene now that they left it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, and until next time, Jake, we're going to come back next week. Uh, it's guys next week. We're going to be talking about our, you know, it's, it's fucking Christmas Eve when we record. I, I yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, what do people expect us to talk about on Christmas Eve? Right? <laughs> what do they expect us to talk about? I don't know. You, you shouldn't even get a fucking episode on Christmas Eve. You're lucky to get an episode, right? I agree. Yeah. I agree. You're lucky. We're not You're talking l- about Rogue One either. I yeah. won't be able to be here. I got kid shit to do. Oh God. Okay. Uh, the, uh, pedophile Frank. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. No. No. Hold on. Uh, Frank's got some Jared Fogler shit to go- to do next week. <laughs> Five dollar foot long Frank. Um, <laughs> It is time I gotta deliver the goods. <laughs> you know what, guys? Uh, I'm 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 upset that I didn't get to see your faces this week, but I'm so fucking glad you joined me on Skype this week to talk about a movie I wanted to talk about, Rogue One. Next week, me and Jake, we're gonna come back on fucking Christmas Eve. We're gonna record on Christmas Eve and release to you on Christmas uh our top five favorite Christmas movies of all time. Yeah, wow. That's intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. So excited to see what you pick. I, I'm excited to see what you pick as well. I'm hoping that they're going to be different movies. Maybe one or two will be the same. Who knows? But uh, the week after that, we've got our huge award ceremony. It's recognized by no one. Um, <laughs> the Tupperwares, we're going to be hanging, uh, handing out tuppies for our favorite movies comic book movies actors and and all these different things uh for the year of 2016 and uh after that then we'll be back under a regular schedule but these next couple weeks it's going to be bullshit that you're getting yeah maxing and relaxing for Max- the pop culture leftovers exactly exactly <laughs> so all right guys and just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags thank you for listening and thank you for pay for <laughs> thank you for your patronage we'll see you next time see ya later thanks for listening to pop culture leftovers congratulations i don't know how you did it i couldn't do it 
You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture. Leftovers.